The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> wow, not the double up. Nice. Uh, I am your host, Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nose Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Carolina with Columbia down the way. And those sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, Brooklyn's finest one, Agent underscore 70. On Twitter and Instagram, what's up, everybody? Now, sleep to Brooklyn! There it is. Uh, and you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. This CSPN.us is the website. Do it today. You can also find this on this pod, on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. You can also find this recording live every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, on either YouTube.com slash TheClickNation or um, Twitch.tv slash ComicBookChronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and to uh, give us five-star reviews. Please and thank you. Um... Right now, tonight, folks. Oh, I will go ahead and say before we go into anything else. So we just did a, a treasury edition, and I probably should have saved this a little later, but I'll probably bring it up then. We just did a treasury edition of a couple of days ago on uh, the cut that she'll probably should never be na- uh, talked about ever, ever again. We have done the last final word on that particular cut. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So y'all can go back into the uh, the, the feed. Um uh, into the podcast feed and check that out. That's but funny. yeah, <laughs> we are going to start off with uh, kind of speaking of treasure edition, which we're probably not going to do one for this. Uh, we are going to do a quick recap of Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, episode two. Which is kind of funny because after we did said Treasury different edition, we were talking a good bit about it. So, <laughs> so let's you know what we're going to do is try not to forget what we talked about. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's too late. But um, yeah, we will definitely try that. So we're going to start off with the fact that um, let's see, whoops, there we go, here we go. So yeah, um. So if I can know which is so Parade or episode two, uh, let's see, 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 let's see
So it's the, the, the name of the episode is called Star Spangled Man. Uh, With the plan. Of course. Uh, and it does, I do kind of remember where it starts off, because it starts off with uh, pretty much that asshole John Walker. Um, and I'm going to call him that. So just... <laughs> he hasn't shown... Well, actually, he kind of did show that in this episode. But regardless, we saw see him in a um, in high school locker room. He's getting ready to get... Uh, he's at in... He's at his old high school, uh, kind of getting prepped to go out and talk to, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was a homecoming game or whatever. It was a football game where he's uh, being presented uh, as a new uh, Captain Marvel in front of uh, his old high school, in front of... of can't even Captain America. He said the new Captain Marvel. Oh, I did say that? Well, yes. <laughs> that's even, that's an insult to her. I to call him new Captain America. Well, that's, that's, that's an insult to her. Um, <laughs> so I apologize for that. So yeah, we we're gonna we we're seeing John Walker being introduced as the new Cap. I'm still not gonna call him Captain America. He's not. But um, but yes, he's the new Cap. Um, he's he's in a locker room. We've come to find out that um, he has he has a wife. Um, and I'm gonna and I know this is gonna sound like I'm, I'm making this a point, but it kind of might come up with one. But she's black. Um, mm-hmm. he, she, he also has a black best friend, which he already had in the comic book. So that, so we've, so we get to meet him, his best, well, I guess it's his best friend, but is his, his partner, uh, Lamar Hoskins, who is also from the comics. We'll get into that a little bit. And his wife there, you know, she, he's, she's talking to her before, uh, he comes in and talks to him. And then he goes out as cap on the football field and, you know, he's getting introduced and a black, there's a black matching band and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're basically making it like, you know, they're not making it, but they're just like, hey, this is a small town. You know, they pretty much do the name of the small town, right? So he's from where he's from in the comic books. Uh, he goes out into the center field and he's talking to Good Morning America, because if that's not corporate synergy, I don't know what is. It's Disney for you. Yep. But, um, and I think all the while, so he's having his interview with uh, this person from Good Morning in America. And then it cuts to both Bucky and um, Sam watching this on TV, both having seemingly similar um, emotions about this. You know, Sam seems a little looks, looks to be a little more conflicted about it than well, probably. And some would argue Bucky's probably a little bit more conflicted about it than not. But I know, given that Sam was the one who had the shield, and you know, you know, and. Uh, seemingly duped by the government as far as we know at this point you know kind of kind of has some feels about it um but so we get to that and then we cut to uh let's see um sam going on a mission bucky uh having to show up at said mission as he's getting briefed on about it and they're talking about the fact that you know sam didn't uh why did sam give up the shield and bucky's kind of railing on kind of getting on him about it and you know, and Sam's like, "Look, I'm not having this conversation right now. I got a, I got a thing to do." And he brief just so happens to be brief Bucky on it, and Buffy Bucky's like, uh, "I'm going with you. No, you are not. Dean isn't coming." So we get the start of this whole buddy cop thing of, of theirs, and this intense staring down um, <laughs> that they that they this, that, that this thing that they have to do. They also have uh, before they go on the flight. Um, or before they get on the plane, they have this conversation about the big three, meaning the big three bad guys that uh, that uh, they end up always having to fight, and that's uh, androids, wizards, and aliens, which 
checks out. <laughs> because every, pretty much everybody they have fought, well, I mean... I was about to say, I think that's an oversimplification. It I, is. I, I, I sound like uh, Jimmy Woo. That's an oversimplification of things, but that's basically right. <laughs> because... Oh, I'm about to say, or, or Barry Allen and, uh, and the Snyder Cut, but you know what, we're not to bring that back up. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm going to stick with Jimmy Woo on that yeah. one. So... But uh, but as you were saying, uh, so so um, once they have that little conversation that was in, um, I believe the trailers and or the commercials, it was. Uh, they uh, they head on this uh, transport to Munich, and uh, Bucky's asking, "Is there a plan?" And and Falcon just uh, jumps out without saying anything else. Right, you've one seen of, that part in the trailer, as he says. You right, know, as, one uh, of the airmen. Right, one of the airmen says it's too low for a shoot, so Bucky has to <laughs> literally fall with uh, while attempting to do it gracefully, but it doesn't work. So, he takes off the sleeve to his jacket to attempt to use to give his vibranium arm as much uh, 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 leeway and freedom. To try to break his fall, and how does he try to break his fall? Literally grabbing at branches to try to slow his descent. Right. So in his, his effort to slow down falling from several hundred feet in the air. Right. Which was a very funny scene uh, at the end of it because because uh, you see um, or you hear and see Red Wing <laughs> with Sam's voice talking about you know I got all of that right. <laughs> He's like shut up. You know, why do you should... this will come back? This will come back later because what yes. we know, uh, I uh, what I didn't realize is that uh, Bucky has never been a big fan of Red Wing, and he is not a fan in this episode. And there is a bit of a comeuppance. Yes. So, uh, as as, as Roddy Cap mentioned, uh, uh, once once the uh, uh, once the, uh, the the time for Bucky to recover from his fall, it's not a landing; it's just a fall. <laughs> Pretty once much. He that which again uh, i know he has the super soldier serum and i know he's got his arm but you know and he did you know and he was you know hurt by it but i was like there is no way in the world even if it was a couple hundred feet you know even with his vibrating arm you know there is no way in the world he, he shouldn't have been a little bit at least a little bit more hurt than that hey it's you know uh there's there's only so much you can do to slow down the action yeah so true I'm sure it, it had the same effect on me as well. It probably knocked me out of my temp- temporary suspension of disbelief, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. Yeah, that just like to- the fight scene. Yeah, just like the fight scene from the last uh, episode. So, uh, you know what's funny about the fight scene? Before we move on, <laughs> you wonder. I saw a meme on this mm-hmm. where Bucky, when he's in Winter Soldier mode, he's all like, Rah! Right. And when he's in fighting as as Bucky in the Falcon Winter Soldier so far, he's always just kind of like, oh, punch, kick, punch, kick. And you wonder if it's because he's under that second rule from the psychiatrist right. to not hurt anybody. I think that's it. Exactly. You, you hit, it, hit the nail on the head. Because like, yeah, because yeah, like I said, like you said, he's in Winter Soldier mode. He's probably would have killed him, you know, if he, if he, he really went for it. He would have murked all of them. Right. So, I mean, now granted, um... Well, even in the upcoming fight, like I said, it is what it is. And there was them being what they were. Um, yeah, he was basically holding back. So right. I, I did actually notice that. I was like, yeah, his, his fighting style is a little bit different because he's not in, in full-on winter soldier mode. So, And it's and it's wild because I think I mentioned it 
during our review of the first episode where I said it was nice to see it right. and hear the music again because you just saw him just go after everyone. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that he had to kill Yori's son. Spoiler alert for the first episode. Indeed. You know, we didn't ring the spoiler bell for this, but come on, people. It's been a week, but we're still we still have to let you know that, yes, we're spoiling episode two. So as yep. you know, getting back to the, the story at hand, right? Um, Bucky and Sam are uh, are on the hunt for the Flag Smashers, and they meet up in this warehouse that's just a, a little bit away from their uh, their landing zone. Which was, and, which was a funny scene in itself. Oh, we mean as they're going into the warehouse, yeah. of course. Because they're, oh, the, they're, they're having their back and forth, and, and and Bucky wants to do things his way, and he's trying to charge on in, and Sam's like, hold on, hold on, we got to, you know, calm, calm, calm yourself. So, the, like I said, the, the whole buddy cop vibe is, is, is in there the whole time. Right. It's funny that you put it that way because their, their partnership is literally just starting, right? Mm-hmm. So you definitely see the clash in their styles. And you wonder, simply because... Um, Falcon has this level of technology at his beck and call with Red Wing, where he's always looking to uh, use it for reconnaissance. Like it's not, it, you know, it, it's it's similar to Spider-Man's drony, mm-hmm. you know, sending the drony ahead. So you know, he sends Red Wing ahead to to scout out. And it's weird to think that Bucky isn't like let's re- let's do a little bit of recon first. Like let's just charge in and knock some skulls. That right. doesn't seem like the Winter Soldier, right? But you know, in any event, that's just how they've decided to portray this particular buddy cop uh, dynamic. Mm. And so, as as Roddy Cat said, they're they're bantering slash bickering with each other. And as Bucky goes in um, uh, in stealth mode, there's a little bit of a funny line here where uh, Sam calls him. Uh, he says, "Just you know, you're in you're in Wakanda for a little bit. Now you're White Panther." Oh yeah, and then he's actually like, actually. Um... <laughs> right, he corrects him and says, "Actually, it's White Wolf." White, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and Sam's like, "What?" <laughs> and uh, so, so essentially, they meet up inside, and as they, uh, as they, uh, uh, unfortunately, give away their position, the Flag Smashers ignore that and just kind of go on their way because they're apparently are in a hurry. Mm-hmm. So the two of them um, make a break for it. And what's wild is that Bucky does the Winter Sol- does a Super Soldier run, yeah, to get the the the, the truck. And that's and I'm like, fuck off. That, that truck doesn't say anything or do anything. He runs in front of one of the trucks to get to the middle truck. Right. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, wait, he's on the back of this truck and in, in, in front of another truck. Nobody shot at him. No, did him. Just like, look, oh, look, there's somebody there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. So what's wild about this is Bucky discovers what they're stealing. He finds out that they're stealing medicines, vaccines, and uh, he sees who he presumes to be a hostage. And it is not a hostage. It is, in fact, uh, a young female that now we know is Carly Morgenthau, mm-hmm. who is apparently, at least for now, who we think to be the head flag smasher, the um, the gender bent flag smasher from the comics. Right. Presumably, maybe the original was her dad or something. We don't know. We don't. We, it does, I don't think it gets into any of that. But also, I'm just going to sit here and say, for Star Wars nerds. Uh, uh, Bucky gets his ass kicked by uh, NF Nest 
from the solo movie because that's who this young lady uh, also is. Correct, 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 correct. So um, as they as they kind of go at it, um, they move the fight to the top of uh, the truck, and then another the the other the trailing truck decides to pull alongside to give them more space to fight, I guess. And um, <laughs> Carly grabs Red Wing and destroys it. Right, I'm like breaks Whoa. it across her knee, like like. I'm like, no, Red Wing. <laughs> <laughs> but also this scene, for those for those people who play Overcooked, um, will know this scene pretty pretty uh pretty easily because you're doing things there's, there's two trucks that are about side by side. Blocky the road, mind you, because it just like it was just, just a two lane highway, so some had to, should have got given at some point. But hey, we're not gonna talk about that. So they're fighting on these two trucks and you know, uh, uh but that just kinda put me in mind of Overcooked. Um, but yes, so as they're fighting and, you know, like I said, not doing incredibly well, but, you know, kind of holding their own along comes one, uh, a helicopter with, uh, John Walker and, uh, his partner, Lamar Hoskins, who we end up finding out is the, uh, is, uh, named Battlestar, not Galactica. Um, as and he is in the comics. Exactly. I was about to say, as he is in the comics. So they join the fight, and um, you know, you know, John John does his thing with the shield, and um, you know, um, they eventually they pretty much lose. So we come to find out during the course of this fight, like, yeah, uh, John's handed with the shield. Uh, neither one of them at this point seem to be um, powered. Him or or him or Lamar seem to be powered because while they kind of hold their own, they still end up getting tossed off the truck. They get whacked. Yeah, so they get they get uh, which I guess is in a similar way to because didn't that happen to Cap during one of the movies? Like, didn't he get got got knocked off a truck into an into a car in a similar manner? I feel like that kind of happened, but I might be wrong. Yeah, Tron. Okay, so. Yeah, I think that was. Oh Asia yeah, Bulls. yeah, because that was the same scene that uh, Blackwater was like, "I always got to pick up after you boys" or something best like that. I do remember that part. So, so anyway, so yeah, so that happens, and then they all end up talking on a ride, uh, a simulated ride into time town that the uh, cap. I mean, that uh, Falcon and Bucky were like kind of hesitant to do, but um, Cap was like, "We're trying to compare notes," and come to find out that they tracked him because of Red Wing. Actually, um, um, and then John Walker's like, "Well, it would be nice to have uh, Captain America's sidekick in my hand, uh, at my side." Oh. And, huh? Oh, as soon as I heard him say that, I was like, "Oh, yep." yep. And 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 as uh, and as Valka said, like, it's always that last line, and he hops out the truck and, and catches up to Buck. He was already uh, gotten out the truck and and um, walking away. <laughs> so um so yeah that's uh uh where are we at here because i'm just uh, i forgot mention the fact that um that that that, that uh, i think you might have said it but I, I think i was zoning out a little that uh Thanks. that uh uh costco cap and Battlestar. i heard costco cap and i like it <laughs> nice. uh, no costco but costco cap and Battlestar were tracking them through Red Wing. Did yeah, I did say that. that. Yeah, oh, I did say that. Mm-hmm. That they're gov- that they're with the government. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that comes back up later because he also says, I am the government or something like that. That's line he says later on, but I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, mm. So, um, yeah, like I said, the dude, that happens. Um, Wait, this is when Bucky lets Sam know uh, oh, yeah. that he they should take the shield for themselves. Right. And, and that at this point, it was a little weird. Bucky's like, I think there's someone you should meet. Yeah. Like, this was, a, I, don't get me wrong, this part was, you know, one, heartbreaking, but also, you know, great. Um, so they end up going to hold the thought because I think you were trying to skip past this part where we catch up with the flag smashers. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, just just very quickly hold your thought. I'll, I'll take care of this part, then you can uh, talk about who uh, Bucky and Falcon go to meet. Um, uh, why what, what ends up happening is that there's a, 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 a you know, we we uh we transition to uh Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers, they're being taken in by um a sympathizer and they reach a safe house and at that point they go online and they find out that um um uh they're 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 almost they're basically burned like they're being um uh that their ids are being um spread online and she gets a text carly gets a text from an unknown number saying you took what was mine i'm going to find you and kill you she hides the phone but um uh as i said uh earlier the other uh, flag smashers warned that the this global repatriation council that uh, I don't know if you went into that earlier um, and Interpol knows who they are. And um, this global repatriation council is, I guess, something that has been put together to help people who came back from the blip. Right. No, I didn't. That part I didn't mention. Um, okay. So, yeah. Because so... this, this is our first time really hearing the acronym and the name of the of the uh, the group. Right, and I think, and we don't, as I recall, we don't get the name of the person who uh, Carly gets the text from at this point, but we we will in a little bit. So yeah, back to the point that back to the thing I was uh, getting to real quick was um, um, Bucky decides to take Tam to, to Baltimore to meet um, one Isaiah Bradley, aka. Wait, uh, no, I'm kidding. Wait, what? I said you mean Mantis. I know. I was about to say that too. Um, <laughs> AKA, AKA Carl Lumbly, AKA Mantis. Uh, if you are of a certain vintage and, and, um, and, and know of that show. Um, so yeah, so they go to meet, uh, Isaiah Bradley and, um, you know, uh, they talk to him. Well, he talks to them because Buckley, Buckley basically tried to introduce Sam to him and it happens, but you know, um, and there was there was talk about uh when when Bucky and um so this is kind of weird actually but the, the, when Bucky and and Isaiah met I believe he mentions fifty one um and I could have sworn like I'm not I'm trying to remember when the time frame of when Bucky got oh no 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 never mind never mind never mind so they basically met when he was a Winter Soldier back in fifty one. Right, because remember, uh, Bucky's captured before the end of World War II. Right. 
Right, and that was the part I because when I saw this part, it's like, wait, that doesn't make sense because because he was like, but then I thought about it because like, oh right, Hydra, and then Winter Soldier. So so Isaiah was like, yo, you mean when I kicked your ass, <laughs> which I thought was good, but then he kind of goes into you know, um, in in, in some kind of real world parallels because they're, they're basically was like, yo, uh, so yeah, they locked him up for thirty years, you know, for X Y Z reasons, and. Um, and the fact that they experimented on him, which again is a real world parallel to that, you know, and, and he served his country with no thanks to only to get, um, you know, only to get put in jail for, I believe they, what did, this, did he say that they mentioned the fact that he was, um, they, they, they said he, he essentially turned into, uh, he was essentially made a lab experiment. He was, he essentially became what cap steve rogers would have been right or what he was worried about becoming which was you know if he had gone to alamogordo and become a lab rat the way colonel phillips had wanted him to in the first avenger right where you know obviously he's a white man so he might have not have been he might not have been subjected to the same um the, the same uh, right. uh uh bs right. let's put it that way, yes. that um that isaiah was but at the end of the day, essentially what happened to Isaiah is what they had intended to have happen to Cap, which is try to find a way to reproduce a successful super soldier serum recipient. Right. So that whole or scene. Mass produce. I meant mass produce. Correct. Um, so that whole scene was kind of it was kind of hard, you know, because like I said, the partially because of the real world. And, you know, and also because of some very good acting by uh, by Carl Lumley. Um in this and you could kind of see see sam's expression as they as they get you know they was like all right go y'all gotta go so they leave and they're outside of his house talking um and sam's obviously upset like no one you know no one told why is this not bigger information why, why does nobody know about this and he's kind of upset about it and bucky tried to you know says what does, uh, whatever he says but then they both get uh interrupted by uh baltimore's finest um who in another set of in another kind of a real world parallel thinks one thing not a kind of real world parallel this well, was too this was yeah ridiculous. this is very real yeah as as Roddy Cat was about to mention or as he was beginning to mention um uh there Bucky and Sam are literally just having not even a heated argument right they're just having a loud disagreement right that's a fine line, and what ends up happening are two squad cars roll up on them, and they basically get the harassment, and they do not recognize. They don't know what's going on, but they immediately start to um, harass Sam right. until realizes that it's in fact the Falcon, and um, in a clever little twist, once once that's cleared up, mm-hmm. and and they present their IDs, I guess they end up having to take in Bucky because he is on a parole violation. Right. And the scene ends with Sam just kind of looking, looking at this happening still. And in a similar scene to the last episode, when, when, the, when he and his sister's loan got, got denied, he pretty much had the same look on his face. Like this is some bull, you know, yep. I believe this is happening, you know, it's kind of situation, which again, real world. You know, and it also could have gone the other way, but you know, like uh, like I just said, like yeah, they they did a little clever little twist here, um, but still, it focused the same thing because it could have very well went the other way. So we cut to later, um, 
Uh, and I did, and this is also another scene that was in, that's been positive. Hold, hold your thought, hold your thought. I was just looking at the summary. Hold your thought. The funniest part about this mm-hmm. is that Bucky says, don't you know who this is? Right. He doesn't say, don't you know who I am? Right. Because he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. He's the Winter Soldier. Well, yeah, that is that is actually true. That is correct. Yeah. So I kind of got I I, I kind of uh, uh, chuckled at that. I was like, look at that. He says, "Don't you know who this is?" <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah. No. 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 You're good. No, that was a good point to make. Good. Good point to make. Um. So yeah, this cuts to uh, what seemingly like a little while, uh, or I guess like a few hours later, because it's dark, and and they're they're at the police station. Bucky gets uh, um, Bucky gets released. Uh, but, and we come to find out that it's John Walker that was the one that released him. Sam is there, but also, uh, Dr. Rayner shows up and because the role violation is missing a therapy session. Exactly. And so this therapy session happens now when Dr. Rayner is like, no, you two come with me. We're having, this, we're doing this now, uh, in a, in an interrogation room, which I guess they have permission to do. I don't know. And then we, this is where we get the scene from the trailer where, um, you know, where they're kind of hashing things out and they, they're sitting across from each other real close. And again, like as leading up to the part was still kind of funny because it was like, oh, 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 so we want to do this now? Just like, you know, you know, that kind of thing is going on. And like, oh, we want to get close? Want to get close? Let's get close. You know, let's do this. That's fine. Yeah, Doc. All right. Yeah, I'm liking this. Let's, let's, <laughs> I like what you do. Because I was, because you, you tend to forget Sam has uh, overseen therapy sessions, uh, um, support groups before. So he kind of knows some of the things that she, you know, that she's doing. So, so when he, when she mentions the one thing that they ended up doing, which is the thing you see in the trailer, she's like, Oh, this is like, Oh yeah, this is going to be great. I love it. I'm loving this. Doc. This is good. So, and they do the whole staring thing again, you know, and the whole scene just kind of plays out and they kind of hash out part of the issue. I don't think we get everything. But right. they they come to an un- yeah they come this to an understanding of them them working together. Right. This is the crux of the issue. What it comes down to is, and I really got you know I really love the writing for their uh, back and forth in this particular scene because Bucky basically says, you know, and this is what he says, you know, uh, you know, why'd you give up the shield? Steve believed in you. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was wrong about you, but if he was wrong about you, maybe he was wrong about me. Right. And I'm like, oh snap, that's pretty deep. Right, which is something you don't didn't you don't think about until he said that. It's like, huh, okay. Like it, but it it also comes off as like, well, you're making this about you, right? But it also makes sense. No, it makes sense because of Bucky's backstory, right? Because of his recent history as being a brainwashed dupe of Hydra, right? But then. Sam comes back with an equally uh, strong, you know, heartfelt uh, response, which is, um, you may never understand, but I did what I thought was right. Right. And I'm like, okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. And again, we still don't, we, there's still part of that we still don't get. Because, like, his reasoning last episode and even it, this right here still kind of skirts around things. Mm-hmm. But and I would imagine I, I'm gonna hope at some point before the next couple of episodes comes ends out that that's gonna get addressed. But you know, even if it doesn't, I, we got I, enough. I think we're definitely on our way to it. This is just the tip of the iceberg, right? So that's what on. I. Yeah. 
So moving from that, uh, after they have this and they both, you know, they come to an understanding of their working relationship with each other and they pretty much end up was like, yeah, we do this and we never have to work with each other again or never have to see each other ever again, you know, which I feel like this is probably not going to happen. Um, so they go outside and John Walker's there and Battlestar is there and they talk again and basically they have, a, uh, basically uh, John wants them to all work together and uh and they have a conversation about that and sam's like well look you're a little bit more profile and you you got more restrictions than we do so we you know we're gonna do things our way because you know we got a little bit a little more leeway than you guys do and then of course in in one uh dick moment john's like well fine then just stay out of my way you know and then the storms walks off um so then the um we cut back to the Flashmasters, who are apparently trying to board a uh, plane, uh, and they get found by um, uh, the the folks uh, chasing them. Which I think this is at this moment we find out is the 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 power brokers people uh, right. in in the first naming of the power broker. So again, I'm hoping like, are we going to get the UCW? <laughs> is 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 Malice going to show up? You know, we still don't. We still haven't seen the power broker, but I think we um we hear his voice in one of the um. Actually, I'm not sure if we hear his voice because I don't think it's just his people. Yeah, I think it's just the people that come through. Yeah. So uh, so one of the the one of the flag smashers kind of like, well, I'll hold them off while y'all y'all go, and you know, power to the people or whatever their 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 slogan is uh uh for the flag smashers, and he does his best to do that, but gets taken out. What world, what people? Yeah, there you go. Um, gets taken out by the the people chasing them as the plane takes off. Um, which yeah. So here's the thing about that. Like yeah, super soldiers are not invulnerable. We we know this. Um, but like I kind of wonder if they did kind of use some sort of special armament to kind of kind of take them down because you know, like I said, super soldiers are not invulnerable, but it does take a a, a good bit to to take him out i mean bullets still work obviously but you know so um kind of surprised that they're not wearing body armor but you know there is also that but yeah go figure so as as roddy cat um said the uh the the flag smashers do get away um or did you did you did you mention that that they yeah i did did say that so they did get away uh obviously minus this one uh, person who was basically fighting holding action to keep them um, to keep the uh, the power brokers uh, men off their off their butts. Um, back in Baltimore, uh, Bucky uh, has the bright idea to um, go talk to Zemo because he knows all of Hydra's secrets because he looked into Hydra. He looked up and down all everything that was exposed of Hydra after the Scar uh, after after the Scarlet Johansson after the Black Widow dropped all of their secrets onto the internet during uh, uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. So he says, "Let's go see Zemo," and we zoom in on uh, Daniel Bruhl, Zemo sitting on his bed looking at a chessboard. Yeah. So and th- we end this episode. Yeah. Uh, going into tomorrow, uh, April 2nd's third episode. 
Right. So is you know, so is 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 that whole um thing saying that Zemo has, you know, more to do with this that, that we know about? Or is it just so happened to be the fact that, you know, Zemo's one of these people and he just likes chess because he thinks he's smarter than everybody, you know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this goes because this is definitely combining several hints of previous stories, but it's definitely going in its own direction. Exactly. So that ends the uh, the episode, and we do have a couple. There is definitely some Easter eggs here. One that we've I've totally forgot the, to mention uh, during the Isaiah Bradley scene that the person that uh, um, uh, Bucky and Sam first meet is this younger guy who's like you know he you know trying not to have him see him, but he goes goes to talk to Isaiah. We believe this person is one Elijah Bradley who. Um, you know, if all things come to pass, we'll become the new Patriot. And we think that, and Elijah is also, um, is, uh, Isaiah's grandson, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Uh, so yeah, so presumably we will get a little bit more into that as these episodes go by or at some point. Um, there's also apparently, uh, an Easter egg on Zemo's cell number, which is the same cell number that was in Star Wars A New Hope that Leia was in. I, I've seen that come up in a couple of places. Um, but you know, I didn't think too much of that one. <laughs> and I think the one of the other ones, at least according to this article, and because I've already mentioned the Custer's Grove thing, but um, there's a um, sticker on the Flag Smasher's, Flag Smasher's safe house that says Hauser, which could be a reference to Harry Hauser, um, which was a the host of the Hauser Retort, which was a radio talk show that criticized Sam after he became Captain America mm. in the comics. So I don't and, remember that. Right? Yeah, I don't remember that one either. So, um, so that's an interesting little tidbit from this article we're reading. But yeah, so that was the episode um, of Falcon Winter Soldier, and like Agent Seventy said, uh, we are a few hours short you, of. Wait, you mentioned the Princess Leia connection? I did. Sorry, okay, sorry. Really? I completely was. <laughs> I was looking at basketball scores. Wow. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, um, we're a few hours short away from 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 um, from from a new episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier as of the recording uh, of this episode. So from that, unless you got something else to to, to mention, no. No, no, no. I think we can move on because uh, that new episode is coming up very shortly. Yep. Uh, then we will get into the comic books of the week. I was going to say, unless anyone wants to talk about uh, Godzilla vs. Kong real quick. No, because I hadn't seen it yet. So. Watch, you didn't watch it yet? Oh, man. So, um, as I, I may have mentioned on the show previously i have not seen the the ones that are leading up to godzilla and if you know if you have spent any amount of time on it on this uh show know that i have to do this so i've watched so i've watched uh scroll island kong skull island which is a very silly movie um right. <laughs> and i watched uh the 2014 godzilla right uh so now i just got king of the monsters and going into uh um godzilla versus uh kong which i'll probably God. do in the next day or so all I can say is, without spoiling anything, is that there's nothing like a movie like this, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. I've right? heard they that. actually do the the fights a service, right. a good service, um, uh, without getting too far into blue language 
all I remember yelling at the TV was "Kick his ass!" I am Team Godzilla. Yes, we we are, we are we have established that. Also worth noting, these movies have a weird Marvel. Well, have some interestingly weird Marvel connections because oh, actors. Yeah, and, because yeah, uh, yeah because uh, Kong Island had Tom Hiddleston, Hiddleston, Sam Jackson, and uh, Brie Larson. Uh, so you know, Loki, Nick Fury, and, and Captain Marvel before like this and done right before that movie, or before before Captain Marvel. Uh, Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla had Aaron Taylor Thomas and Elizabeth uh, Olsen, right? Not playing Wanda and Pietro, but playing but playing playing um, husband and wife, which is kind of funny. And and again, right before Age of Ultron, right. So it, that's funny. So uh, so I don't know. And also um, had uh, Brian Creston, who I don't think has done any Marvel work yet, but I could kind of act his ass off for those short times he was in there. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm hoping I'm going to get to uh, King of the Monsters and um, uh, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong before the weekend is out, likely. It's it's fun. I've they definitely, that. without, and it's not a big surprise, and it's not really a huge spoiler because of how these monsters have been characterized, but they definitely play Kong as being far more sympathetic. Right. Which they did in Kong Island also. So it's not, that's not a surprise. It's not a spoiler. It's something that if you had any understanding of the characters going into this, Mm -hmm. even without the, um, without the previous movies that you're trying to catch up on, you can still figure that as the uh, point of view that they would take. So, That being said, um, now yeah. we get into the. Now so I was looking forward to, to yelling about uh, about uh, Godzilla <laughs> versus Kong as soon as I remembered uh, remembered it. So right, yeah. There's one other thing we'll bring up. So don't, if you're if you're wondering, but we'll bring that up in when we get to it in the news section. So don't don't you worry about that. But right now, uh, we're going to start off with the comic books with Black Cat number four. Alrighty, it's written by Jed McKay. With art, uh, not for the only book this week, art by Nina Vacueva, mm. colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Ferran Delgado. Yeah. So we're basically back to before uh, King and Black. Thank goodness. Uh, and we, um, in fact, I think, um, yes, we're pretty much going back to the end of the last volume of Black Cat when we get introduced to... Uh, this person in a a color switched um, black like cat a outfit, yeah. yeah. So uh, at at the last page of the last volume, we get the introduction to the person, and uh, both Agent Seventy and I were like, "Who is this person? We have no idea." Well, we're getting a lot more about this person in this issue here right now. So we get introduced to, well, we get, I guess, reintroduced technically, because I believe she did show up somewhere, like I said earlier before the show, she introduced, she did come up somewhere else in the past. Yeah, I'm going to look for that now. Go ahead. Yeah, because I was actually doing that uh, at some moment. So while you're looking that up. So Queen Cat is the person that we're talking about, one Lily Hollister, or at least that's what uh, her former name was, because apparently... We get a couple of times in this issue to where I don't know who that person is because apparently something happened and she almost drowned, but lost a bunch of she lost all of her memories up until like a year ago. 
So she only knows the queen cat and she's going through an, an identity crisis. So we kind of get this whole monologue through her. Uh, this whole uh, in issue is pretty much her monologuing through it and her um, becoming a bat. Actually, not becoming a bat because she kind of already was. But if you, you take that reference, but um, she get into her head that all she knows is the queen cat and that all she knows is that she needs to go after the black cat for whatever reason, because she knows she's a, she used to be a hero and she knows she's also done some bad stuff. Uh, but in order for her to be a hero, she needs a, uh, she needs a villain. So that's what has, a, has her going after the black cat. If you hear any background noise, I apologize folks. Um, so- Hold that thought. It's in believe it or not. This is this is actually going way back. Axis yes. Hobgoblin number three. Axis. Uh-huh. You know how long ago Axis was in real time? A while. Holy cow, people! Axis. Yeah, I saw that reference. It was like, wow, this is a this is a why from pull from here. But okay, sure. <laughs> but then, it, if anyone remembers, Lily Hollister was Menace, and right. that goes back a long way during the Dan Slot Spidey run. Right, which, which the, that gets uh, get that gets mentioned here. Uh, in this issue before getting cut off. So she's, so she's basically, um, to, to make a long story short, she's, um, she's actually going back through the last volume of, uh, or of her placement during the last volume of black cat. And she's tracking black cat and her crew at the various heists that she, or at some various heists that she's done. And also making a connection to the other dude that was, um, that was going after her at a time who apparently had stopped, you know, who has met his match and was like, I give up. Uh, so he's, so we see her kind of, you know, tracking the cat and her crew through that, meeting up with this Ocampo dude, talking to him and it's like, well, you know, he's a critter, what, but I'm not. And then she ends up, um, meeting up, uh, um, well, actually, excuse me, Black Cat ends up coming, running up on her because she, uh, because Queen Cat ends up stealing something from her that she got from, um, the Gray Fox, uh, was it the Gray Fox? What is that dude's name? That dude's name? The old dude that that taught her? Black Fox. Black Fox. Thank you. Um, I knew it was a fox in there, but I couldn't remember which, which color it was. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, after that, which I think we saw that in the last volume, but we didn't get to see who it was. I can't remember if we saw who it was. But regardless, um, because of this, uh, Felicia uh, tracks her down. They have a little fight, but uh, obviously Felicia gets all the hand and talking about, oh, they're there, Buttercup. If you need a if you need a villain, I'll be that villain for you. But um, keep trying. <laughs> you lost this round, but keep trying. Right, she's the old veteran. Right, she's basically breaking in the young rookie. And I just thought, you know, it was funny, you know, because it was condescending, but in the right way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. Like if this is what you need, then yeah, go for it and you keep trying. But um, you know, you got lessons to learn, <laughs> basically. Absolutely, so, and that's pretty much how this whole uh, uh, issue plays out. Now it was a good issue; I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, the, you know, Black Hat is kind of one of our um, one of one of our um, I don't want to say go to books, and I can't necessarily say fave, but it's definitely one of our faves. You know, I would say it's one of our favorites. I would also yeah. mention that uh, and re and and and, and uh, reiterate what Roddy Cat said earlier, which is it's nice that this book is now back. In its orig- in its prior direction, before King and Black decided to muck everything up. Mm-hmm. So, 
but yeah, definitely check out Black Cat if you um if you if you um if you have not before. And thankfully, King and Black is over as of next week. Oh, good, great, because I know we still got a couple of them this week, and um, so I imagine to get to that. So next up, um, where did we say? Where where, where you want to go to? Uh, Beta Ray Bill. All right, bet. Beta Ray Bill number one is a new miniseries with it's written by Daniel Warren Johnson with art by Daniel Warren Johnson, colors by Mike Spicer and letters by Daniel Warren Johnson in part and VCs Joe Sabino. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Warren Johnson definitely. Uh, I feel like that's the name I've I've may have come across before, and I don't remember what I read, but like clearly was you know trying to be trying to have his have his fingers into everything here right i mean this is definitely this book and i'm not sure i'm not that familiar with daniel warren johnson but there is a definite indie comic vibe Mm. from the layout and just from the general way this story is paced Mm -hmm. so that is i believe where daniel warren johnson uh comes to us from but i'm going to google this and it's a shame i didn't read or listen to the interview he had with Walt Simonson. I think it was on Marvel.com. Mm. So, oh, he had a webcomic, Space Mullet, since collected by Dark Horse Comics. Murder okay. Falcon. What's that? Murder Falcon. Murder Falcon. That's where I know him from, yes. Okay. Murder Falcon was a, uh, um, was it an image book? Um, or is it Aftershock? I can't remember. Hold on a second. I'm looking this up real quick. But, um... Uh yes, Murder Falcon was the book that he that I know him from. It's an image comic book that basically it was like I think there was this like dude. Um, there was a lot of heavy metal imagery, and of course the uh, the hero of the story was this um, almost like a um, a genie type situation where you know this dude can summon this uh, falcon with this metal arm called uh, Murder Falcon. I think I read it. We talked about it on the show one time, reading the first episode, but I think um, I don't think anybody read it after that. Got so, it. But regardless, so yeah, we're cutting, getting back to Beta Ray Bill. Um, I enjoyed this because, um, as Agent Seventy said before the show, this, this got a little personal than, than than he thought it was going to be. But it, I felt like the article leading up to this was kind of kind of hitting towards that point. But uh, we see Bill in a in a flashback of his memory uh, in in a flashback in his memory to before. Hit pause. Hit pause. Spoiler warning, because this does spoil some of the things that happen yeah. in four that have not yet been published. Well, I wasn't gonna actually mention that part, but yeah, that's good to because because it does because if you do happen to pick this book up, and I didn't realize it when I read it. There's a couple of things in here that are mildly it's a, they're mild spoilers but spoiled nonetheless. Right. The uh the ending of the the current Thor arc, the right. um the prey arc with Don, with uh, Donald Blake. So go ahead. Right. So we get a past memory uh flashback to before uh Bill uh ends up uh going off on his uh, sojourn with Scuttlebutt his ship. Um, I guess when he's chosen, that's uh, that's what we get the flashback of. Then cut to present day when in King of Black, actually, where there's a battle in Asgard, where you know he's taking the lead of, and Sif is there, 
And, you know, Bill has this rousing speech that gets cut off by Fin Fang Foom, who apparently was uh, possessed by uh, um, Null, I guess. Right. Um, so they fight, and Bill's, you know, Bill not having his former weapon, you know, kind of does what he what he can. You know, he fights him, fights him well enough, but then Thor just happens to come in and sweep up and take up all the credit, which Bill's leaving, leaves Bill, you know, feeling a certain way. You know, um, he and Thor... Just keep in mind, I was about to say, keep in mind that Bill is essentially at the power level that he... Uh, I guess is some nominal level of Asgardian power. Right. Remember when Thor and Beta Ray Bill fought for Mjolnir in Beta Ray Bill's first appearance arc, they were essentially evenly matched. Right. Uh, you know, power-wise. So Bill is no slouch. True. But... You know, given a null-possessed Fin Fang Foom and not having Stormbreaker anymore, you know, kind of took a little bit of starch out of him. Right. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, that happened. That um, Also, I don't know if you saw, noticed this, but did you notice um, Bill's epaulets during the, uh, right before Thor jumps in? Like one of these epaulets has an image that I'm co- I'm fairly certain was on the cover of a Thor mag- of a Thor issue. Give me a moment. Sure. And while he's doing while he's doing that, I'm gonna go through the rest of it real quick because there's really not much to it uh, outside of um you know uh, Bill and Thor talk a- after at, uh, before there's a celebration for well around the celebration uh, of the victory. Um, and Bill's kind of feeling some kind of way, but then he goes, uh, as he's leaving the celebration, meets up with Thor, who they have some, try to have some intimate time, but that gets interrupted by the fact that, um, the spoilers, uh, that, uh, Agent 70 mentioned, uh, just now, which again, I'm not going to give away just in case anybody wants to read that, but this pretty much sends Bill off in a funk. Uh, and he was basically like, um, I gotta go because I gotta find out who I am now and, and all this kind of good mess. And that's where, we, uh, that's where he and Thor talk actually at, at the end of this issue. And he's basically like, yeah, you always come in and, and get the credit. And I'm just like second to you, you know, and, um, you know, so I gotta figure out who I am now that, and you can't, and, and he's going to go off and said he's going to go off and find Odin to see if he can get uh, another version of Stormbreaker again, you know, so he could actually, you know, have his life basically back or a part of his life basically back. Uh, and then that is pretty much where, uh, where this issue ends. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but there's also, um, uh, Beta Ray Bill apparently likes Hook, the movie. Hmm. Because you you see him watching a TV uh, a, a TV and you see, you know you pretty much see the sounds coming off the TV and there's a a name that gets dropped that it, that evokes uh, something and I don't think I've ever seen Hook so I, but I know who this character is that that gets mentioned. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was talking earlier about um, an interview that uh, uh, where Daniel Warren Johnson and Walter Simonson talked. It's actually at the end of this issue. It's in the mail. It's in the. Uh, it's in where the mailbag would be. Gotcha. So we can both read that when we get a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, not we don't necessarily have to go online to do it. But it's actually in 
the letters uh, page. It's like three pages long. Right. I saw it. I just skimmed it though because I've also was looking at the uh, the uh, the cover images that they had in there, um, but I didn't actually read it. Read it. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to taking a look at that. But uh, but yeah, when I when I mentioned that it, that uh, this got a lot more personal, a lot more intimate, without spoiling anything. I didn't realize that this that's where this was going to go. But again, that's where some of the spoiler stuff comes into play. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, unfortunately, the next issue of Thor is not coming out next week. It might hopefully comes out uh, before uh, the next issue of Beta Ray Bill comes out. So uh, we'll have some closure on that story and then it won't be too much of a spoiler anymore. Right, but if you're a fan of Beta Ray Bill, you should definitely check this out because it was it was a um, it was a pretty well done issue, I I would say, um, as a starter issue. And again, it's it's definitely different from or slightly different from like we've seen this. I don't know if this is what counted as the hero's journey, but I guess if, if it does, this is kind of the start of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I was looking at the epaulets. I don't necessarily see what you're referring to. So the one on his right looks like uh, looks. It looks like either uh, I dare say I don't know if it's supposed to be like him holding the hammer out. Like if you see, mm-hmm. like if you look at that and look at the very cover in the back, I think there was an actual Thor cover that that um that that was supposedly an image of. And and like I said, it it struck me because I was like, it definitely looked familiar, but I don't remember what issue it was or, you know, what it was, and I didn't have a chance to look before, um, before before the the show. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't really recognize it. But I'll take a closer look. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, unless you got something else on that one, we can move push on. Oh, moving on. Silk number one. Let's do that one. Sounds good. Uh, Silk number one. It's written by Maureen Gu uh, with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. Something that Roddy Cap brought up and made me chuckle because he's uh, 100% on point. We've imported uh, at least two-thirds of the former (laughs) uh, magnificent Miss Marvel and Miss Marvel um, art teams uh, uh, at least in terms of the art and colors of mm-hmm. uh, Tak Miyazawa and Ian Herring. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fan of uh, Miyazawa's art, like we are, and, and it's still still some good looking stuff in here, you know. Uh, but we find um, so I still need to kind of catch up on um, some things, Silk. But I feel like I know enough to 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 have been able to have read this issue because I wasn't going to read this issue until I kind of went back on this stuff. But I was like, nah, that's going to take too long. I was about to say, I am behind on the second Silk series. Right. The one that happened post-Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, in a sense, I'm in the same boat as Roddy Cat. And it probably doesn't hurt to be up on top of all of that reading. Right. But at the same time, I think Maureen Gu does a good job of setting up a new status quo for uh, Cindy Moon in this first issue of her uh, latest series. So um, we start off this series um, with Cindy doing the superhero thing, and it's really well written. Yeah. I I can't stress enough that uh, Maureen Gu's story and her dialogue is very sharp. Yes. Now, if you've seen... It's not banter, but it's very sharp. 
Right. If you've seen preview pages of this issue, then you would have seen the the first couple of pages uh, of this already. I stay away from previews, damn it. Yeah. We get spoiled enough. That's true. But, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but as you as Agent Seventy said, yeah, we definitely get uh, Cindy doing superhero, and that I did uh, enjoy uh, that whole thing. Also, so at the end of this, she gets a gift, which I, I'm sitting here still thinking about. It's like she was given a gift, which she was like, "Nah, superheroes are ethics and all that." Kind of but then she, like, but then was like, "Well, what about this other thing from last year's model, and like last year's line, or whatever?" Um, and she takes it. And she, she, you know, she's, she wears things off with it, but she wears it because she even says, like, yeah, I got a thing uh, tomorrow, so sure, this will work. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, so what if somebody, or what if this person, self-same person that she helped out happened to notice somebody just happened to be walking around with this thing, you know, with with this outfit she has on that she just got, you know, and just puts two and two together. Like, yeah, the chances of that are what they are, but I'm sitting here like, I don't know, this is, this is Marvel New York. Anything could happen, anything like that could happen. But right. that does happen. So that was just a thought of my own. So we come to find out this it's next day and uh, we, we found out that Cindy Moon is, um, is living, well, her brother's living with her, um, which I guess may have come up somewhere. And she started her first day at threats and uh, threats and menaces with J Jonah Jameson again, working for J Jonah. Huh? It's her first day as a reporter. I right, think as a reporter. she was working as an intern. Right. Correct. But, but it was also, wasn't it the fact channel? Yeah. She went to, when they were at the fact channel, right? Well, was it at the fact channel? I just remember that she was an intern because right. um, I don't know if that happened outside of her, solo series maybe it was in the pages of another book no i, I believe that was in her fo- of, no i believe right, that was in her solo series here in the, right they make a reference of it here right where she to um get uh jay jo- uh, jonah's coffee because uh uh it was part of uh learning the was a uh, learning the road oh it was a rite of passage yeah oh yeah jonah says rite of passage and of course uh jonah being the old stodgy misogynist that he or kind of sort of misogynist that he is you know he kind of brings up mentions this we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit but um uh but yeah this is our first day and uh, of course cindy moon being cindy moon which again as i think i say in my notes she comes off like you forget like if you know anything about silk uh silk Cindy moon's character so she was bitten by the same uh spider that that peter did one but she was um i'm trying to remember the netflix show but it's fine it doesn't really matter but she was pretty much um trapped in a bunker for like 10 years before being let out so she missed a whole decade um you know of life in her you know uh, in her introduction um so she kind of comes off a little bit younger than she, what she actually is right um, and you forget that. At least I forget sure. that. Yeah, it's not necessarily immature. It's right. just because she's essentially time displaced. Exactly. So, but you, but you tend to forget. Like I said, you tend to forget that. At least I tend to forget that that's the case when when reading her. Because because again, even at certain points, like she definitely comes off. You know, when she's especially if you read uh, like Agents of Atlas, she comes off when she's serious about some stuff, kind of kind of older stuff. But you also concedes the shades of her de- time of displacement uh, there as well. Cause even in some of her dialogue, uh, even, yes. even Jane, uh, J Jonah Jameson in this, uh, in this context is called her analog, which I assume was a um, one from previously. I don't know if that's the case or that's yes. new. Okay. No, no, no. It's an old one. Okay. Gotcha. 
but yeah, so like I said, she's going through the day and she's doing her thing, and and Nora Winter shows up to be Nora Winters, the 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 big B that she is. Um, <laughs> um, but um, long story short, that um, she ends up working on this. Um, she ends up tagging along with this other reporter of uh, uh that works there and they come along a, a murder thing or a similar murder thing but there's some things don't add up so they go back to the office uh she's writing up the thing but apparently she ends up publishing in it um because she was tired uh which puts j jonah jameson in the line of fire and uh, she ends up becoming uh, jonah's uh reluctant bodyguard uh near the end of this issue but so and so and on that note, um, and in some actually pretty interesting banter, banter in between both uh, Cindy and Jonah, and Silk and Jonah, because that part, part whole part that he was talking to, to Silk was kind of kind of amusing, you know. Because again, like I said, he's kind of quote unquote old fashioned, and the way he talks is is, is uh, still kind of that way in certain context, in certain in certain lights, and in here they they're definitely playing that up. Um, and I, I said in my notes, so like, I kind of wonder what would happen if, uh, if, um, Jonah knew Cindy's connection to Peter. Cause he, cause he knows Peter's uh spidey at this point. So like, I kind of wonder if he would treat her any different if he, if he knew the entirety of the connection, he right. knows there's gotta be a connection. Right. So that, that one part was kind of fun to me. I doubt that was even going to come up in this, of course, of this. But like I said, that was just an amusing side. But at the end of this, uh, we could, like I said, we come to find out that um, that uh, Silk ends up being Jonah's bodyguard. But we also find out that uh, she gets this lead on a person um, that runs a tech company that uh, maybe has, uh, that, well, definitely has tie, that has ties to a cat demon. And we see that at the end of this issue before it ends. So I enjoyed the. Um, I think this was. I almost would say this is a potential click of the week. Uh, yeah, for this week, I thought it. I thought it was a great first issue. Mm-hmm. Like even like eight to seven said, even if you're not caught up on like we are on um, on silk, this is a pretty good, um, pretty good way to come in on it. Um. So that being the the case, I think we can move on unless you got something else you want to mention about it. No, no, I'm good. Okay. So, uh, What's next? Uh, you got, do you maybe have one more you want to throw out before we go into a rapid fire or we want to go into it? Um, Cause actually I need to take one of these off because I didn't read it. Boop. Let's see what you read. We can talk about X-Men number 19. Sure. Okay. Um, I'll I'll do the the uh, the credits on this one. Uh, X Men number nineteen, written by one Jonathan Hickman, uh, art by Mahmoud Arsarar, color artist Sunny Go, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Take it away. Sure. So um, again, we are following the adventures of the three person X Squad: uh, Darwin, Sink, and X twenty three slash Wolverine. Um, who were sent into the Children of the Vault uh, dimension um, to uh, do some reconnaissance and, and, and find out more about the, that erstwhile um, X-Men uh, foe, the erstwhile X-Men foes that have not been seen for quite a while. 
but now have made their return. And um, uh, sorry, um, with uh, um, uh, X23 Sync and Darwin doing their level best to find out any um, information that they can, including weaknesses, they have been in this um, dimension which moves at a speed at a time that is uh, far greater than uh, time would pass uh, here in this dimension. So they spend several, I don't say, I don't want to say several hundred years, but definitely more than a hundred years in this other uh, dimension as they are uh, both scouting, observing, reconnoitering, and then fighting for their lives. Right. And essentially, we find out that um, the three of them run into lots of problems. They get separated. One gets captured. Two and get captured. ultimately, two of them make their way back no, without spoiling. Yeah. What's that? Two get captured. No, no, but two of them eventually. I'm skipping past all that. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. One one gets captured and stays captured, but two exactly. definitely get captured initially. Right. Two of them eventually make their way back to Krakoa. Right. And that seems to indicate that they are going back at some point to go back for the one that was left behind. Right. Um, and that's just in that's like broad strokes. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, now you, yeah, you pretty much covered that. I think, uh, as I said before the show, there was definitely so the kind of conventions that were done in this um, in this issue have been done before. Like uh, you mentioned, time displaced uh, uh, enemies. Like we will probably talk about in, uh, after a while. But also, kind of now that I'm thinking about it, shades of hoxpox in here. Not necessarily, well, kind of sort of with the, um, with the, um, Moira stuff. Um, cause in her case, she lives like different lives, but the same life, different, you know, uh, different, um, different ways. And this is just as pretty much as going, you know, uh, them just kind of just being time displacing, going, going, going into generations. Like, and I feel like we've seen this kind of stuff like that. And it is also couched in kind of a pseudo love story with a couple of the characters that kind of gets reset at the, at the end of this. So there's right. a couple of things that are actually going on in this issue. Um, and it was pretty, it was pretty good. Let's just, just uh, to round that out. All right. It was well written. It was well executed. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, like, like, uh, it just seven said, like we'll, at some point, even if they don't do it, the next issue, they're definitely going to be back here at some point to kind of deal with what's, uh, to what they're, what they found out during the course of this. Right. Cause even when you, cause even in the data pages and, um, yeah, between the data pages and what some of the narration, like you can kind of see some hoxpox shenanigans going on, uh, with, with, uh, with the, um, Moira stuff in the way that's being told and in the, in the way that it kind of goes off. So, but yeah, good stuff. If you, if you read it, that being said, I guess, uh, if we got nothing else, uh, pressing that we can go to rapid fire. Fire. It is. I'm going to spin it up. Fire. Rapid fire. Cause, uh, All let's right. see. Uh, you want to go ahead and go? Crossovers in our list. <laughs> Boom. 
Um, I will lead off and um, get the ball rolling. So, crossover number five. This is an image book by written by Donny Cates with art by Jeff Shaw, colors by D. Cuniff, and letters by John J. Hill. So, in this latest issue of this crossover, um, the paybacks, the characters who we have uh, met in crossover in the crossover, and Madman. This is a big spoiler alert for anyone who was not caught up on this. Is that we do get some Donny Cates crossover and the appearance of Mike Allred's Madman in this story that involves the comic book world kind of infringing upon a version of the real world and all of the ramifications that come from that. And uh, one of the uh, other Kate's um, properties that comes into this is, I believe, God Country with the sword and the sword from God Country. And at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, some 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 stuff has happened to cause um, a breakout in one of the uh, facilities that were containing some of the supers that had uh, become part of the real world. And that facility has uh, since had a breakout and uh, things are looking pretty dire when we, uh, you know, uh, when we uh, reach the end of this issue. Okay. Anything else? I never read it. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was on your list. No, I know. I hadn't read it yet. I need to go back and do the whole thing. I hadn't read any of it yet. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I was I was just scrolling quickly. I thought I saw it on your list. Hmm. Um, okay, next up is Captain America number twenty-eight, uh, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, art with art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, if you didn't know by now, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is wrapping up his. Uh, scripts on all of his Marvel Comics work because he's working. He's going to be working on uh, movie scripts uh, for uh, DC Warner Brothers. So um, this is uh, two issues away. I believe his run ends with Captain America number thirty. Yep. And thanks. And so um, Coates is still deep in uh, some of. Um, Captain America's history, but with his own twist and definitely bringing in lots of uh, real world current uh, events, allegories, and definitely Definitely. relating some of the stuff that we have seen in previous cap stories and updating it so that we will see how that plays out in today's um, reality, or at least in today's allegorical reality in uh, Marvel comics. So, there is a lot to this. The Red Skull is involved in this. His daughter Sin is involved in this. And, of course, uh, Alexa Lukin, who's always been around since the beginning of this 30-issue uh, run with the, with the introduction of the Power Elite. So, uh, ultimately, what uh, the Skull is trying to do is far more insidious than the latest uh, take-over-the-world plot. And it is uh, striking at the heart of the idea of Captain America. And that is where this story seems to be headed. And it's actually uh, a a pretty uh, – it's a pretty good look into the idea of Captain America from this perspective. 
from the idea of um, trying to take out Cap uh, uh, in a much different way than what the Red Skull would have traditionally done. Uh, next up is King in Black, Return of the Valkyries number four. And uh, this is written by Jason Aaron with Torun, uh, Thorun Grunbeck, uh, with art again by Nina Vacueva. This is, like as I said before, this is her second book out this week, with colors by Tamara Bonvalane and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Did you read this book? Nope. Did not. Okay. Well, I know that Roddy Cat is doing his level best to stay away from all things King and Black as hard as he can. Uh, sometimes it's more difficult than others. In this case, this is a much more direct tie-in to the events that are happening in King and Black. The Valkyries are tasked with uh, doing their part to uh, weaken Null um, by, spoiler alert, cutting off his connection to the... Uh, the headless celestial, the the dead celestial whose uh, head became nowhere. And there's lots of um, uh, stuff going on that is, in fact, related to what's going on in King and Black. It's tangential, but definitely related. And um, uh, ultimately, the Valkyries succeed at their mission. And at the end of this, we are led into um, uh, a tease to the next Valkyrie series, which is called The Mighty Valkyries. And uh, this is on sale April 21st, so it's not far away. It okay. is not far away. So as I mentioned earlier, I think we were on, on uh, we were on the air, but if not, um, this is again one of those, you know, this, this uh, Return of the Valkyries is one of several King in Black one-shots and or miniseries that seem to pick up directly from series that ended just prior to King in Black. And I mentioned Gwenum versus Carnage being one of them where um, where Sean and McGuire uh, wrote that miniseries. So it essentially picks up with just a tie-in to um, King in Black. It picks up some of the story threads in uh, Ghost Spider, same as in... Uh, this return of the Valkyrie story, which takes up several threads that were in the Valkyrie series that ended just before King in Black. So that is, um, you know, something that I wish I had thought harder about and maybe I would have pulled some of these stories to keep up um, the, uh, the, the previous storyline as, you know, pulled them in uh, my physical pull list. And last but not least is U.S. Agent number four. This is written by Priest, as in Christopher Priest, with pencils by George Giante, uh, inks by Carl Story, colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So I'm not going to spoil this too hard because uh, Roddy Cat, I believe, is going to uh, at least flip through this. Yep. So ultimately, in this issue... Um, we get the the plot definitely moving forward with um, John Walker's uh, family relations becoming gigantic pains in his butt, which is which was revealed in the previous issue. Are you up to date? Other than this issue, I know his sister is the is the one that's uh, doing some things in there. I know enough of, about right. that part. Yeah, right. So that's essentially it. 
So that that that's you know. So now that that's clear uh, for Roddy Cat, we do get uh, some some flashbacks here of uh, John Walker being more progressive than we've ever thought he might be. But at the same time, it's still the John Walker that we've all kind of learned to hate. Um, it's still uh, it's still Priest. He's still writing a really well-put-together story. There is the revelation of another U.S. agent being in play because John Walker has been decommissioned as the U.S. agent uh, uh, during the uh, just prior to the events of this uh, miniseries. And so there is another player on the board, and his motivations are suspect, of course. And ultimately, we get more information as to what that character might want and might be up to. And finally, at the end of this issue, we get a really weird um, cliffhanger page. It's really out of nowhere. I kind of chuckled when I saw it because Gianti does a good job of drawing it. And it came out of nowhere for me when I read it. So I credit Priest with uh, really surprising me with uh, really out of left field and shout out to opening day for uh, major league baseball today of course the nats had to uh, catch a case of covid so the mets weren't able to get let's go mets weren't able to get their uh, opening day game in because of uh, uh, the nats um having a positive test so um but in all seriousness getting back to this this was definitely out of left field, this uh, cliffhanger page. And when Roddy Cat gets around to reading it, he will see what I mean. And that's it for me. Yes, and look forward to more dis- distractions from Agent 70 as the uh, baseball season starts up in earnest. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> What are you going to do? I had baseball and basketball. I was monitoring this show. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Sorry, I said I, I, I was. I meant to add hockey. Oh, hockey's still going. Well, yeah, okay, great. Hockey still going on. <laughs> well, all right then. That being the case, uh, let's see. For me, we start off with the next Batman, Second Son, number six, which is written by John Ridley, uh, art by Travel Foreman, colors by Rex Locus, and letters by Darren Bennett. So, um, at the end of last issue, and this is a digital first, uh, book, if I haven't said that before, and I know I have, so, uh, so which means it's coming out digitally first and then they're going to reprint it, uh, physically at some point, uh, soon. Uh, so yeah, Luke in his bat, bat wing gear kind of goes after Rat Casher because Rat Casher was, uh, apparently the one that put his, his sister in that, not only in the hospital, but is the one, I guess, potentially uh, the one called for her to relapse. And this was stuff that, that is, that came out of his book, uh, from a while back. So, you know, this was called a new to me, but he catches up the rat catcher. And this is all during the course of, uh, the starting of future state, which means that the police are after anyone in a mask. So the GP, the GCPD or, um, find out that rat catchers, uh, out and about. And they also go after, Ratcatcher and come to f- and find out Batwing, but they also kind of sort of end up helping them take him down because he was kind of had a little trouble um, uh, with Ratcatcher, who apparently had turned a little bit of Pied Piper uh, in this instance. 
Um, but like I said, that happens. Luke gets away, uh, but seemingly fails to get the, get what he needs because he was trying to find some information on, um, how to get his sister who's like I said, back in the hospital again, uh, well, um, and it seems like the, the, the record thing is going to come back because it looks like somebody may or may or not have taken up the, the, uh, the mask. Um, and at the end of this issue, uh, because of Luke failing to do what he uh, was sent after Ratcatcher to do, it seemed like we might be starting to see the turning point in, in where um, uh, Jace will end up getting uh, to become a part of the Bat family. But we don't necessarily get that. We do get a little bit with Jason here because this is actually this this uh, was kind of a more Luke focused issue. But um, but we do see Jace kind of come in uh, on a, in a few cases, including at the end of the issue. Uh, next up, Avengers: Curse of the Man Thing number one. This is the first of I don't know how many of these. Not necessarily one shots because apparently this is going to be continued in another Curse of the Man thing. And uh, one shot is probably going to be like three of them, more than likely. But um, it is written by Steve Orlando. Art by Francesco Mobili, uh, color artist Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, without spoiling it for, and it's not a it's not a big spoiler, but I'm not, just gonna not say too much of it. But uh, Agent Seventy will get it when I mention this. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a crossover uh, villain or set of villains from the X books that shows up at the beginning of this. Um, and, uh, the seemingly main villain is related to one of these, uh, one of these villains. So, um, and this is, I think this is the introduction of this main villain for, for this mini series also, or this mini event. I don't know what to call it, uh, when they do these, um, things, but so Harrower, Harrower is the person that we're talking about. That is kind of the, um, the villain in this one and ends up, um, using man thing to for her uh intent for the world let's just say that and of course the avengers get called in and whoever uh knows fear burns at the touch of man thing which is uh a big part of uh a, a thing that happens here but again like i said the avengers get involved um one of them actually gets to, to talk to the person behind Man Thing, uh, and we kind of, kind of, kind of find out that there is a connection between them two, which we kind of already knew, but we also get a revelation uh, in between that at the end of this issue. Because um, if you know anything about the history of Man Thing, you know that uh, uh, the person behind Man Thing was a scientist in his own right doing, um, trying to, uh, recreate something that has to do with one of the characters. And if that's not a big lead, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. The, so that's that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's all right. Issue first issue of what it is. It pretty much starts it off, but it's going to get continued in Spider-Man curse of the man thing. Number one, which is going to come at some point. Um, but it also ends up on that revelation that I just talked about. 
Uh, Transformers number 28, written by Brian Buckley, art by Anna Mal- Malkova, um, colors by David Garcia Cruz, letters and design by Jake M. Wood. So for some strange reason, Cyclonus is going after Six Shot because I guess Anna, who is the leader of the Decepticons Guard at this point, there's some things going on in this book. And uh, it, it comes out monthly, so it's kind of hard to remember what happens last month or not. But um, uh, but yeah, Megatron is making a push uh, and using media to kind of further his cause in a, in a, in a way. Uh, and also a lot of action is going on because there's like a jailbreak and uh, Bumblebee uh, gets recruited, presumably for the Decepticons. I'm not even sure what's going on, but there's a there's a breakout and some folks looking for some bots looking for uh, new recruits for like, I believe, Megatron's Cross. And there are some allegiances that still have yet to be written in stone as of this time because this is before the events of, uh, you know, uh, this is pretty much the start of the Great War, I guess you could say, and the, the start of what we know the uh, Transformers history to be. Which is also kind of weird because there's a lot of bots that show up here that don't show up in G1. <laughs> but this is pretty much establishing that like these are around, including some that don't show up until the movie. As I mentioned, Cyclonus, because who wasn't Cyclonus until the movie. So there's some weird things there. They, this is a weird kind of reboot of Transformers fiction that's been going on, but it's still, so far still actually been still pretty good. Um, and last but not least, we have Ruby, uh, in the justice league crossover. That's R W B Y, uh, in justice league. Number one written by Marguerite Bennett, uh, art by Aniki, Aneki, I guess. I can't, I'm not sure which way that goes, but uh, colors by Hi Fi and letters by Gabriella Downey. Um, the only thing I can say about this whole four issues have been released this week, week digitally, and I assume there's going to be a print version of this crossover uh, at some point going for, forward. But if you know anything about the story of Ruby, it's about these four, I want to call them magical girls, but they're kind of huntresses with uh, weapons. Um, uh, I don't, I, I've not seen too much of the anime or I guess, I don't know if this is not even kind of the anime because it's done by Rooster, Rooster Teeth. So this is a, Ruby is a Rooster Teeth cre- creation. Um, and you know them from Red vs. Blue and XYZ, all that kind of good other stuff. But, um, this is a creation from them that is being uh crossed over into the Justice League. But all we see here are the trinity of the Justice League, or at least in, in the skimming of the first issue and the, the fourth issue that I um that I read. It's the justice, the Trinity of the Justice League, um, pretty much being written into the world of Ruby. So they don't like crossover and it's like, hey, there's a time gap or some portal or anything. Like, no, they're already in the world. So we see Wonder Woman, Batman, or excuse me, we see Bruce Wayne with bad ears, uh, and Superman, um, as actually kind of almost like a Connor Kent looking out of the gray, but they're powers kind of get translated over into the world of Ruby and their weaponry and all that kind of stuff. So Bruce doesn't have any powers, but he does have this big scythe or whatever, just like the, the girls of Ruby. Um, and this pretty much 
the first issue definitely pretty much sets that whole up. And I know skimming the fourth issue by mistake, they end up being students at the same academy that the Ruby girls are attending. Like I, said, I hadn't really read the couple of issues in between, but if you are interested in anything I just said, and if you, you know, you like these college crossovers, you can go check this out for yourself. And that folks is it for me. You didn't get a chance to look at the other history of the DC Universe number three? No, I didn't. But I do know um, uh, Katana's on the cover, and I didn't get a chance to skim through it. Just started to flip through it uh, um, uh, this afternoon. Didn't really have a chance to go through it carefully, but I was intrigued that they um, that they use Katana as the point of view for the third issue. Right. So I definitely will be checking that out. And also, um, there's a couple of books I didn't get a chance to get to, like X-Men Legends, as we talked about before and whatnot. But yeah, those, those two books I definitely want to check out. There's also that Marvel action, Captain Marvel with uh, Spider-Gwen. I kind of want to check out also, but I didn't get a chance to do that. From the IDW book? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so that being the case, it's Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! And we got one from one of our absentee co-hosts here. Tim's pick is X-Men 19. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, didn't say anything. He didn't give any notes on it, but yeah, he best with that. But yeah, well, definitely was a good issue. So I, I can, um, I can dig that. Uh, let's see. As for myself, or unless, well, I don't know, mine. Uh, since they're kind of going through the motions I'm here. Fine. Okay. I am still coming up with mine. I definitely have some good candidates, though. I definitely liked um, the. Uh, first issue of Silk, this latest mm-hmm. series. I did like that Beta Ray Bill book. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like X-Men number 19. So those are essentially my three candidates. So gotcha. I've just got to figure out who I'm going to go with. Um, did you mention Black Hat? No, actually. Oh. Because it was so focused on um, Queen Cat. Queen Cat, yeah. I mean, it's still a good book. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a recap of what has been going on mm-hmm. leading up to this heist um, against uh, Odessa Drake. Right. So, you know, but from a very different perspective, from an outsider's perspective, from someone who's uh, surveilling uh, the Black Cat and her crew. Right. So um, that's definitely fun, but I it didn't quite rise to where Silk. Um, Beta Ray Bill um, really kind of sit for me this week. And X-Men number 19. I can dig it. I can dig it. I am going to go with... I'm going to go with Silk number one. But Beta Ray Bill is a really good book and I definitely recommend that for anyone who's a fan of Beta Ray Bill. I, I go back. I'm definitely an OG going way back to uh, when he first came out in Thor and trying to figure out who is this horse-looking face guy <laughs> carrying all near, right? Uh, yeah. There was also a, a lot of that going on in, in this um, uh, a lot of horse, horse face jokes going on from somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from uh, Fin Fang Foom. Mm-hmm. The nullified Fin Fang Foom. Yep. Um, I I agree with everything you just said about both Beta Ray Bill and Silk, and that uh, was and X Men and um, and Silk. Uh, I think 
I actually... Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm actually going with you on that one on on Silk. I, I enjoyed that a lot. You know, and and I I like Silk. Silk is a great character. Um, yeah, part of me probably just feels too bad for for Bill. You know, I just kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, that's just that's so tough, man. But it's it's kind of one of the things that I'm fairly sure someone has thought of in the past. You know, um. Because never series to talk about it exactly. Because I mean, the whole being like, yeah, I'm all being second to you. You know, being second to somebody. That's the thing that has come up, not just in comics, but in you know, in art, in uh, in in TV and movies also. So that's not a new concept. But the way it's done here, um, with this character who who is a fan favorite, you know, is actually pretty striking. So we'll just have to see where that where that goes from here. Uh, that being said, those are our clicks of the week. We are going to get into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off. Your first Blue Apron order. Replace your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. I know we said that this was going to be the the treasure edition that we did uh, this week was the last word in that cut. But I've also said on social media that there was going to be some news coming out of this stuff. So here we are, folks. Um, Cinematic news. Zack Snyder's Justice League references the director's favorite film. That film is Excalibur. So apparently, in that film, um, char- a another one character says a line that uh, that is said in during the course of the Snyder Cut, uh, and apparently that was a reference to Excalibur. I did not know. Next up, goodness gracious! Although Godzilla vs Kong had not released uh, at the time that this article was written. Certain Snyderverse fans are leaving one-star reviews on the Godzilla vs. Kong IMDb page as a form of protest against Warner Brothers. Now, talk about your misdirected anger. Stupid. But it's also the same stupidity that got that got, got Snyder cut in the first place. So, you know, take it. Right. Review bombing and asking viewers to boycott it because it's a Warner Brothers uh, distributed film, even though it's a legendary pictures uh, licensed property from Toho, so like it come on, makes sense. Serious. That makes no Seriously. sense whatsoever. Mm. And apparently, there's a there's a hashtag going around to restore the Snyderverse, and uh, the less about that, that, we don't need that. We don't need that. I feel like we said that during the course of the the, the Treasure Edition, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, Warner Media's hashtag Stop Agent Hate tweets are being flooded by calls by to um, by calls to restore the Snyder Cut. Again, more stupidity. 
So tweets by one media in support of the stop uh, hashtag stop Asian hate movement are being flooded by Justice League fans, which I'm not sure how they know this, but uh, uh, by from call excuse me calling to hashtag restore the Snyder Cut. Snyder. Yeah, they're responding to tweets by Warner Media, and right. come on, people. Like, yeah, this is this is so stupid. Now, so I, I would probably say this, and this is not trying to give them any kind of, you know, any kind of uh, leverage or anything, but there are people out there that are just trolls, and it might seem like it could be these people, but it might actually not be the, the people they're talking about. But it also could very well could be. So I'm not even trying sitting here trying to say that it very well couldn't be, because they're just right. saying the internet brings out a bunch of stupid ass people. Uh, anyway, so Warner Media, the company behind Zack Snyder's Warner Media is pretty much Warner Brothers. Come on, we we, we know this uh, has has posted several tweets promoting a stop Asian hate fundraiser. Uh, encouraging followers to donate to either Asian American Chamber of Commerce or Asian American Advancing Justice. Uh, many of the replies to these tweets are being flooded with Justice League, with Justice League fans demanding Warner Media instead restore the Snyderverse. Again, stupidity. Um, and you can see the tweets in the um, in the article here. And it is so sad that we're out of state that the, that this is the thing that continues to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, both well, one. Um, Asian hate should not be a thing to happen. Also, no, or nor not black people hate, not no any people of color hate or anything like that. But also, people doing shit like this, you know, when when you could just be good humans. But I know that's not a thing anymore. Next up, though, uh, this is me. So the mm-hmm. DC Extended Universe's Batgirl is set to play a big role in Ben Affleck's scrapped version. Of the Batman, according to Deathstroke actor Joe Mang- Manganiello. Uh, there was a big, huge showdown, I think, between Batgirl. Batgirl jumps in to try to help Bruce because Deathstroke is so fast they can anticipate Bruce's movements. Manganiello told the Comic Book Nation podcast, and there was this huge fight in Gotham City where Batman is like completely afraid because he realized he's met someone who can take him. And then that leads to this big climactic battle through the streets of Gotham City. At the end, it was like a real like psychological thriller where Deathstroke was kind of like a horror movie villain, like a shark, kind of like Jaws. Okay. Joe Mangan yellow. Yes, but we'll never get that movie. So it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and it still bothers me that they would choose dark Knight Batman to go up against Deathstroke. Like really <laughs> still on that. Huh? Folks. Yeah, uh, definitely. Check because that. that's, that's all Snyder wants to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, Definitely, uh, folks, check out uh, the uh, Treasure Edition again. That has that is in the feed uh, prior to this uh, episode, um, both in video and audio form. The Suicide trailer shows off its ridiculous cast of villains and Starro. It says here Kaiju, and I know you know uh, Godzilla versus Kong is a thing now, and I you know and yes, it is. I was about to say, in the wake of Pacific Rim, that also kind of has an idea of what a kaiju is, but right. there's a very specific creature that we are referring to here. Exactly, it's freaking Starro, folks. This, <laughs> like, yeah, I guess Starro in some some manner could be considered a, a, a kaiju, but no. So, um, yeah, it it, it appears that the Suicide Squad is going to go up against Starro. 
Okay, I just saw an April Fool's joke. That's pretty funny. Okay, what's that? I'm gonna. Uh, 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 it's from ComicBook.com. Breaking: Star Trek Four will bring in reboot Picard, played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? Somebody's still trying out there. I appreciate that one. <laughs> I yeah. like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, like I said, I so yeah. So uh, if, if folks didn't know, we are recording this on April first, which is April Fool's Day, and Happy April Fool's Day. And hopefully, uh, you are not being actually fooled by some of the news that has uh, come out between yesterday and today, or yesterday as of uh, the thirty first of, of March and uh, today the first. And I got a yard. It kind of makes it kind of hard to look for news around this time, <laughs> even yeah. even the stuff that comes out on the thirty first. You know, because like I said, a lot of places have um, have uh, started in the last few years started uh, start up April Fool stuff a day early, and it's kind of uh, annoying. But anyway, uh, so yeah, did you, you did watch this? So did you watch this trailer? Did you not? I did watch this trailer? Which is it? It's. Uh... Did I did I say that I might have said this when we were doing the Treasury Edition? It's a Suicide Guardians Squad of the that, Galaxy. You did say that then, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely the James Gunn touch in mm-hmm. this trailer. Yep, very much so. And I know I've I talked about some people. It's like people are asking, "Is this a reboot? Is this a whole new thing?" I'm like, "Why is this the thing? That's the thing." I'm like, "Because James Gunn didn't do the first one, right. <laughs> so that's why." So yeah, and here we are. Next up, though, uh, on that note, Sylvester Stallone is confirmed to be playing King Shark in the Suicide Squad. So if you watched the trailer and you saw King Shark talking, and you notice that the shark is not a hammerhead, by the way, uh, unlike comic versions of King Shark, you know who the voice is behind it. Hey, yo! Pretty much. And I pretty much just took the, the, the next uh, article also because, yeah. James, I mean, yeah, I was about to say, it's right. In the, uh, you know, you could have left it for me or you could have just kept going with it. No, nah, yeah, I keep going. I got this one. Uh, and, yeah, like I just said, uh, James Gunn, you know, I mean, the, King Shark is not a hammerhead. And James Gunn pretty much explains why King Shark isn't a hammerhead on Twitter. And I saw the post. I mean, I saw his uh, post on this when it when it happened. Um, so, I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Why not? That kind of makes sense i guess and i couldn't remember how king shark was no that was uh that wasn't king shark that was killer croc never mind um that other movie was whatever it was uh next up though oh what the hell i was about to say i didn't do that no that was a auto-playing video you know i hate them got it next uh so i got this one black adam Release date has been confirmed. Warner Brothers announced that the movie will hit cinemas on July 29th, 2022. No further information was released regarding the long gestating Dwayne Johnson project. The Warner Brothers teased that the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. The announcement also highlights the fa- that fans should expect Black Adam only in theaters, which would seem to indicate Warner Brothers does intend to eventually pull the pin on its simultaneous HBO Max releases and return to a traditional cinema-only approach. Let's hope that they can. Right. People yeah, but... wearing masks 
keep wearing masks. Yes. Social distancing, wash your hands, all that good stuff. Please oh keep it up. Oh my goodness. I saw this video and I I, I have I can't help but think it's true. Uh and where there was a party in there was a pretty much a, a vaccination uh, a post vaccination party in California. So people and there was a lot of people gathered together presumably after they got vaccinated and, and to go party. Like Stupidity still reigns supreme here, folks. <sighs> Not yet, people. Not yet. Yeah. So, because guess what? You get vaccinated, you still there's still a chance of you still getting COVID. So, just because your chances are less and greatly doesn't mean you still can't. Dumbasses. Anyway, like Agent Seven said, do all that stuff. Next up, though, um, the Flash cast Jordan Fisher as Bart Allen in season seven. So, the fastest senior show live is coming to The Flash. The CW has announced that Jordan Fisher has been cast as Bart Allen, a.k.a. the hero Impulse, in a reoccurring guest star role on the show. Uh, the fan-favorite character will make his uh, debut to coincide with The Flash's special uh, 150th episode this season. Fisher is a multi-hyphenated entertainer best known for his... Uh, role, I'm going to assume, because we didn't put that in here, as John Ambrose McLaren on Netflix's uh, To All the Boys. P.S. I love you. Oh, I still love you, rather. Um, as well as the title role is Broadway's dear Evan Hansen, Hansen, where he played the first biracial actor to portray the character. Uh, he's done some other stuff also. And they describe him here as... Oh, this is article describes him here as... Um, the future son of Barry and and Iris, and I'm saying like, isn't this supposed to be his grandson? Yeah, I think they changed it. Yeah, and I felt like I remember earlier seasons of um, the Flash. There was like a daughter, so I don't. Um, and as opposed to, but anyway, here you go, folks. That's that's the thing that's happening on the Flash this season. Next. It was my understanding that they changed it. I, I saw I saw that news. Right. Uh, Ava DuVernay's superhero DC drama Naomi is rounding out its cast. In his return to the CW, former Seventh Heaven star Barry Watson is set as a series regular, along with Muza Makar, The Fix, Mary Charles Jones, Kevin Can Wait, uh, Aiden Jemmy or Gemmy from Finding Neverland, Daniel Puig, The System, and Will Myers from Bad Education. Okay. Um, let's see next up Young Justice creator provides an update on season 4 Young Justice Phantoms has more or less completed its pre-production phase according to executive producer showrunner Greg Weissman when a fan asked for updates on Young Justice Phantoms via Twitter Weissman had a brief but informative answer 9 episodes in the can 5 more in post 12 are uh, being animated overseas. Pre-production is virtually done, uh, he wrote. So that's good news. Uh, so it looks like, yeah, 24 episodes have been written in total, and a large cast, uh, and a large number of those episodes have been completed. Uh, voice work. Uh, let's see. Doesn't have a date for when the fourth season uh, is going to happen, but good to see that it's still happening. Next up. Alrighty, Invisible. Amazon releases first three episodes early. So yeah, I watched these. Amazon dropped a special surprise for Invincible fans. I'm not an Invincible fan, but I was happy to see these three episodes drop. I also watched. 
What's that? Uh, I also watched. There we go. The streaming service released the first three episodes of the animated series several hours early before its official Friday, March 26th premiere date. The episode titles are It's About Time, Here Goes Nothing, and Who Are You Calling Ugly? So very quickly, without spoiling too much, what did you think and how familiar were you with Invincible before jumping into this? Because I know Tim Dog 98 is a fan of this. He very much was. Um... Yeah, matter of fact, I think he was reading Invincible uh, at the um, yeah, early yeah. on. Yeah, like while we were while while uh, while the series was still running. Right. So, was, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. That's all I was going to say is that he was actively reading it while it was still uh, in print. Right. And most of my knowledge kind of comes from him talking about that and a couple of episodes that I, I mean, a couple of issues that I I think I read here and there just just to kind of spur uh, for because of. Scientific curiosity, I guess. Um, so I education purposes, right? Basically, because <laughs> yeah. it, it, it that has always been a curious book, and they basically have you know done some things differently from the superhero genre. Uh, and apparently, the show does the same thing or similar things. So I don't know how closely to the comic that this is uh, this is this is hitting, but I know apparently there are some things. There are a couple of things here and there that do, that do. Um, but I enjoyed it for the most part. And um, I know a lot of people are a little like, yeah, it's incredible and this and that. They're being very hyper about it. And it is pretty good because you see that you first watch the first episode, like really quickly. Um, if you don't know anything about the character, it starts off one way until you get to the end of the um, episode. Right. Which, by the way, there are like 45, 45, um, about 45 minutes uh 45, almost 15 minutes. I think. Mm-hmm. So and there is a swerve at the end. Yes. And what's what my understanding is that the swerve at the end took the comic itself in terms of print time, about six or seven issues. Mm-hmm. To get. So it's like at the end of the first big story arc gotcha. where this twist takes place. And so all of that is condensed into the first episode. And, you know, Kirkman and the artist on this book also were instrumental, or at least the designer, the co-creator. I don't know if it was the permanent artist, but definitely the of creator. Of- yeah, they're all getting credited because if you see the title, the the the, uh, the title image, they they're, they're all getting credited. Which, uh, by right, the what- way, which speaking of, that's I I kind of like, but it's also kind of jarring the way they do the title sequencing because it's right. kind of like if you ever watch a show called Good Eats. Uh, the out brown will come in and start talking for a little bit, and then he kind of just leads out to where he just mentions the uh, well, he goes to like he's going to mention the title of the show, but then it just cuts to the title to, to, the, to the title treatment, and that's what this show's kind of do just rather abruptly. Gotcha, 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 and it's kind of yeah, amusing. Yeah, I listened to uh, a Kirkman interview, I believe it was on the Fat Man Beyond podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, Kirkman basically said. Um, he had to actually kind of uh, rewrite some of the stuff that he did to to condense it for TV and to make it more to, – to bring it uh, up to date with the way things are written now because right. he wrote that in the early 2000s. And, you know, things have come a long way since then for good and bad, for good and ill. Language uh, and, and whatnot, yeah. You know, euphemisms and whatnot. And – the art as well had to be redesigned so that it would work better in animation. Mm. The designs of the characters had to be redesigned. So the original co-creator of the book uh, who co-created it with Kirkman had to go in and redesign some of the character 
costume designs and designs period for animation so that they would be easier for the animators to deal with. So it's very, very much, um, a, uh, it may not be faithful in the truest sense of the word, but because of all the creators who are involved are the original creators on the book, it is as true as it can be with some uh, changes having to be made because of the change in media. So right. So it's Robert, it's Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and I believe Ryan Otley definitely also is is seen on the, the title treatment uh, of the show. And I know he's the, the I believe Otley is the, the longstanding or was a longstanding um, artist on the book, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I think it was the other gentleman that you were referring to as the, the designer. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but like, like, if you haven't had a... Oh, and by the way, um, on that note, as of what I alluded to earlier, um, just like Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, episodes are coming out on Fridays, so we are also on the, the crux of another episode of Invincible coming, uh, coming in a few short hours. Um, but yeah, like I said, overall, I'm enjoying it. It is definitely... Um, I don't know if I would say if it's kid friendly or not, because um, it does get a little graphic with the with the violence uh, for, mm. for certainly. Um, you kind of catch that early on, but it's still good. Like you know, it's not for kids. Please yeah. don't show this to kids. <laughs> Some people will. I mean, like we grew up on stuff like this, and we're we're all right. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> you know, I know, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I enjoyed what I saw. The, the, the long story short of it, so I look, I look forward to seeing the next episode uh, coming coming soon. Uh, and speaking of, uh, Invincible reveals the drawback uh, to its Hulk's powers. So on the last uh, on uh, episode three of the show, uh, there is a little girl that has like Hulk like powers, and uh, not without going through into it, they they pretty much. Um, show a drawback which is mentioned during the course of the show of having that kind of type of power i don't know if it's a drawback or it's just a, a side effect of it. it's more of a side effect of having it because of the uh, apparently the way this character got it so right, I, I i don't know so this article is kind of drawing a parallel here does i don't know if it if it rings totally true. yeah i don't know if that's completely accurate yeah but but that's you what know, this is, you know. Day, as Cat mentioned, as you mentioned, it's definitely a, a a bad side effect, a bad drawback of this particular um, form of uh, Hulk style powers. Right. So I can't necessarily agree with this this article, but it, it is what it is. Next up, though. Next up, some exciting filming updates have now been revealed regarding two of Marvel's biggest sequels, Captain Marvel Two and Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. With both projects due to begin production on May 31st, with the likes of Disney Plus series as WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier lighting up small screens everywhere, Marvel fans cannot wait for the big screen MCU adventure to continue. And it sounds like things are finally going to get back on track. That's pretty cool. Quantum Beam is going to film in London and Atlanta. And filming is expected to last until September 24th. Captain Marvel 2, meanwhile, will film in London and L.A. and does not currently have an end filming date. Okay. Mm. Uh, and I'm probably going to forget this come to time, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it here. It's time for Quantumania. Next up. Um, hey, we're 
Me to the mania. <laughs> got to watch out the rest of it. But yeah, we got it. Um, uh, huh? I said, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actor Dallas Liu uh, is going from the comedy of Hulu's uh, uh, Pin One Five. You, you, you know what that sounds, uh, what that stands for, folks. If you watch the show, um, or if you don't, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He is set to appear in the Destin Daniel Cretton's uh, directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings alongside Simu Liu, Liu, Aquafina, Tony Long, Michelle Yeoh, and Ronnie Chang. Um, Kevin Feige is producing the film. We already know this. We already know everybody behind that part. Uh, we don't know who this person is playing, but we do know Shang-Chi is coming out on September 3rd. Next. Spider-Man 3, officially titled Spider-Man No Way Home, has wrapped filming, believe it or not. And the new picture, apparently from the set, has hit the internet. Second unit director and stunt coordinator George Cottle took to Instagram to confirm the movie had finished filming, complete with the whiteboard full of possible names for the threequel scene in the title announcement video. So this is not to exclude the... Definite reshoots that end up happening once film stop filming or you know end filming, but primary filming is wrapped. Yeah. So yeah, and I believe this is the same whiteboard that they showed in that one, uh, the the one teaser for the for the title. I believe so. So cool. Uh, let's see. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll Falcon and Winter Soldier leak may signal a major twist, and this is spoilers for the episode that we already talked to or talked about earlier. And it basically has something to do with uh, Zemo. Um, and the article is kind of going into what it thinks that uh, that leak might go into, but we won't. Next, alrighty, Iron Man has officially been recast in animation. During Hulu and Marvel's MODOK fan Q&A for WonderCon at Home 2021, it was revealed that John Hamm, the actor, will voice Iron Man Tony Stark in the upcoming adult animated series. Marvel's MODOK co-creators Jordan Blum and Patton Oswalt were joined by cast members and other special guest stars, including Hamm, as they answered various fan questions about the upcoming Hulu series. So no more Adrian Pastar. So I guess Modoc is going ham. Oh no! <laughs> I'll be here all week. Um, I don't know. This is also something I saw on Twitter, uh, and I think it was either Jordan Bloom's or Patton Oswalt's t- tweet about this. Um, it's when that happened, so that's cool. Next up, though, uh, Open One Kenobi cast revealed. Uh, please stop. Uh, cast revealed and to it's going to be starting shooting in April. So yeah, we got the cast. Uh, if you're watching the, um, if you're watching the video, you can see the picture with all of the cast that we know of so far, uh, including Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, uh, um, Moses Ingram, Joel Edgerton, Bonnie Pius, Kamal uh, Nanjiani, Indira Varma, Rupert Friend, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Sun Kang. That's right, folks. Han is in this misafrica. Um Han lives. Yes, and Han lives to be in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> so 
Simone Kessel and Benny Safdi. Um, and it says here that the show will take place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So it is curious as to the Hayden Christensen part of this. Uh, we're assuming he's going to be flashbacks as Anakin and also as Darth Vader, I guess, and something. I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't uh, know. So, it follows, according to this article, it says it follows the events of Anakin falling further to the dark side and becoming a Sith Lord Darth Vader. Um, and no further de- de- details on the plot. So, yeah. And again, like I said, uh, it looks like they're going to be shooting, start shooting in April. Finally. So, next up. Next up, Disney Plus has released the first trailer for Star Wars The Bad Batch. The trailer, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. Have you watched it? No. Okay, I won't go too far into it then, but we do get some uh, guest stars that we are familiar with and an addition to the Bad Batch. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'm 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 sure one of them has been already, uh, if it's, it's one of those ones that are um, we knew was going to get, get cast on the show, also according to this article. So. Right. Here's another mild spoiler. Lies! Deception. Nice. All righty. Next up. (laughs) I have fought long and hard about uh, getting that sound clip and putting that onto our soundboard. Shout out to Jason Concepcion Network, formerly of Binge Mode, now at Crooked Media who originated that particular impression of uh, Forrest Whitaker playing a character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Whose who's, uh, who's sister should has, was done way wrong, but we're not going to get into way that. Dirt, way dirty! Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Anyway, don't, don't get me started on that. New Staff Transformers movie is in the works. A uh, new Transformers movie is in development, according to the Hollywood uh, Reporter. Uh, director Angel Manuel Soto and writer Marco Ramirez have been hired to work on the film. Um, Hollywood Reporter states that this film will be separate from the main universe of Transformers movies featured in Michael Bay's five films and the spinoff Bumblebee. So I guess it'll be like Bumblebee then, in, in a way. Uh, further details about the project are currently unknown. Uh, I believe Soto is also doing that Blue, Blue Beetle movie, this is, which is you know, also uh, forthcoming. So there you go. Next. As his new film, Godzilla vs. Kong, opens Wednesday, opened Wednesday in theaters and on HBO Max, um, news came out that director Adam Wingard is now set to direct Thundercats. That is a big scale feature based on an animated TV series that ran from 85 to 89 by Rankin Bass and several other iterations, comic books and a merchandise. The project has been developed by Rideback's Dan Lin and Vertigo's Roy Lee, um, who produced Wingard directed Death Note. I guess that's the live adaptation. Um, my understanding, this is going to be, uh, yeah, Wingard will rewrite a script with Simon Barrett and will turn all this into a hybrid of CGI and animation. The series focuses on a group of cat-like humanoid aliens 
who live on the dying planet Thundera. The Thundercats are forced to flee their homeland. They're on the loose. On the way, they're on the move. Thundercats are loose. Yes. I almost flipped the flip loose and move. <laughs> but you caught it. That's all that matters. So yeah, this is another a long languishing project, uh, just like Mask. That uh, heck, I think I, I dare say what uh, almost two decades have almost passed. They've been trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Trying to do a Thundercats live action movie, and there's treatments and stuff and fan fixations um, of things that are already out there. So, hey, if this happens, it happens. That's all I'm saying at this point. <laughs> Mortal Kombat movie delayed Cats one... Huh? That's. I, suggested, I just said Thundercats are loose. Yeah, or will be. Uh, Mortal Kombat movie delayed... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Mortal Kombat movie delayed by one week. So yeah, the 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 Mortal Kombat reboot is um, now coming out on April 23rd, and I'm going to go ahead and take this next one actually. Wait, wait, wait! It. Did you get the uh, what's call it? Did you get the theory behind this? Uh no. Uh, let's see. It says the movie's been pushed back multiple times because of the pandemic. No, the theory for pu- pu- for pushing it a week. No, I is didn't. It, I don't. It's all so the theory is this is what I this is what I happen to read online and the and the math works. Mm-hmm. So anyone who uh, joined HBO Max for the free one month trial for for the Snyderverse, if they if Mortal Kombat came out on the day it was supposed to come out, it would have been included in that free month. Right. But by pushing it a week, they push it outside of that thirtieth day. Mm. Okay. Switch, okay, that could go both ways because realistically, even if it was like the last day is on, and yes, there would be a, definitely a number of people who would definitely be on it that last day. I get that. I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, but would there be enough of, of people to not to let that slide? But I also get the reasoning. It, it, that I mean, if that is the case, that makes some sense. Why give people two two uh, big movies, right? Right. <laughs> so. That's if that is the case, then that's weird. That that, that is weird. Uh, it's not weird. It's actually not weird. That's not weird. But it's actually pretty sneaky and makes a whole lot of sense for yep. business wise. Yep. That's exactly what we're getting at. Yeah, business wise, and yeah, that would sound like a total thing they would do. But I'm right. gonna take this next one and say that um, here's everything that's coming to HBO Max in April 2021. Speaking of, but. Um, the stuff that is germane to this here uh, podcast would be the aforementioned Mortal Kombat. Um, I don't know what this, the Nevers is, but Space Jam. And for some strange reason, well, it's not a strange reason, but because we know HBO gets um, usually ends up getting movies after they originally come out of the uh, movie theater. But the New Mutants is going to um, is is going to be on HBO Max. And I know uh, there's been people who's like, yeah, it's kind of crazy that um, um, New Mutants, you know, owned by Disney uh, at this point is coming to HBO first and not Disney+. Plus. But again, like I said, the reasoning, if there is a reasoning for it, it kind of makes sense because like if, if we were under normal circumstances, it would go from the movie theaters to HBO in the first place. You know, and I don't know if that was a deal that was set in place before the merger or whatever, who even knows, and I don't even know the justification of this, but regardless, it is a thing. And also, Ghost Riders coming to, um, which I could have sworn it was there, but I think it was on Netflix. 
the Ghost Rider is also coming to uh, HBO uh, this month. And that is the cage version, which is, I don't think, that, well, that's the first one of the cage version, because I think there was two of them. Um, there was something else also in this list that I think about it, or was in this list. Uh, Space Jam, I said that. Black Dynamite didn't say that. Caddyshack, that, none of that matters. But, oh, Green Lantern also is going to, um, the 2011 Green Lantern movie is going to be on um, the service in April. They're finally going to admit to it. That's yeah. what it is. Oddly enough, I don't think about it, today is April 1st, so which means it's on there today, along with some ah. other stuff. <laughs> so if that's not perfect, I don't know what is. Oh, Ghost Raider also uh, is is today as of this um, as of this uh, recording. I can say that I have never watched any of the Nick Cage Ghost Rider movies, although I did unfortunately go with uh, a friend as a group of his friends to go see the Green Lantern movie in the theater. Um, and one of his friends, one of my friends, one of my buddy's friends could not successfully defend the movie to the rest of us. There's, there's he no tried, tried and tried. And I probably pulled some <laughs> lawyer tricks on him. Eviscerating <laughs> him left and right. And like, I just wouldn't let it drop because he wouldn't let it drop. I was right. just like, dude, this is just a bad movie. <laughs> right, right. Right. And I know, and there, there are DC fans out there who not only will defend and, and I don't know why I'm still following a couple of them, but that's that's neither here nor there. Like, we'll defend DC's bad movies, like, to the death. I'm saying, like, it's you're not getting paid for this, one. And two, these movies are not as good as you think they are, including up until the, the Snyder Cut. Right. Even and including. Yes, up exactly. Including. Exactly. But um, The Warriors also is going to show, is, is on here today, and Space Jam. I think I already mentioned that. But, um, so, the yeah. The Warriors is- Come out and play exactly, which I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be my, uh, wouldn't mind um, rewatching that. So yeah, so stuff starting to come out there because it is April first, um, and also the Police Academy movies, which has nothing to do with this this show. But you know, hey, some of those movies are good, <laughs> and I guess the Massive of Zorro probably would be one because technically there have been Zorro cards, uh, comic books. Anyway, next up. Next up, Netflix announced at Tokyo's Anime Japan 2021 Expo that it will launch 40 new anime titles in 2021, Bloomberg reported, following the success of its Blood of Zeus series last year. Okay. Yeah. My friend, my friend Cammy, who's in the, uh, who's uh, in the chat, uh, just tripped me out with this, uh, this uh, emote that she put. Um, and hey, everybody who's in the chats um, watching live. Uh, so yeah, we got Crunchyroll, um, who is also revealing 25 new anime titles to, in its, uh, on its spring slate, uh, including fifth season of our, my, my hero academia, uh, which some people can't believe is the case. Uh, and I don't know if there's anything, let's see, yeah, let's see there's some stuff, slime diaries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for something in particular, which I forgot to look at. Um, yeah, but it's a bunch of new stuff. If you're an anime fan, you know, there's probably something in here for you. I am scrolling through this. If you are, uh, watching the video, it's another far, uh, card fight Vanguard. I've still never seen that show, but shout out the clamp. Um, 
are we really not going to get a Fire Force um, Baruto, which is the Naruto thing, some more Digimon Adventure? Um, are we really not getting a season of Fire Force? I am upset. So yeah, I'm still looking for Fire Force uh, Season 3, folks. So we're just going to move on, and I'm going to be bitter because I don't see it in here. Next up. Next up, Shin Ultraman has been delayed indefinitely. Originally scheduled to premiere this summer, Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi's take on the tokusatsu hero will be delayed due to the coronavirus pandemic impacting its production schedule. A new release date for the film will be announced at a later time, according to the official Shin Ultraman website. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how long until we get the Godzilla and Ultraman crossover film that we know is probably could possibly be coming and tied into right. that whole monster universe? If they get the license, if because the, yeah. apparently to- uh, the deal that Legendary had with Toho has been fulfilled. Oh, with uh, with uh, with Godzilla uh, Kong? It's Kong, correct. Oh, interesting. So we'll see how that develops going forward. This is news that dropped in conjunction with the the, the release of the movie. So once uh, you know, once that hit, it leaves up in the air how this is going to move forward. Gotcha. Did you watch uh, Shin Godzilla? I did. I watched it in the theaters. Believe it or not, hmm. how was it came it? out at the same time as uh, New York Comic Con. So I, I went with some friends to it. It was good. Mm, okay. I might. I don't know if I don't know if it's on HBO. Um, HBO it's Max. Not. Okay, I didn't think so. It's very different, though. Mm. Be prepared for a very different take on Godzilla. That's what I heard, uh, but I'm I'm very curious to see it uh, if I can find it out there someplace. So I was about to say, since we just wrapped some of the the the, the Japan centered news, I'll add in something here okay. uh, for fans of uh, Attack on Titan. The news dropped just before the 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 what ended up being the mid season finale last sunday which everyone presumed was the season finale but because it doesn't ex- uh, uh, it doesn't match up with what has been put out in the manga it turns out there is a second half of season four of attack on titan that's going to come out later this year 2021 or possibly right. early 2022 right which I, I don't know if that uh, last article might have mentioned that but um but yeah that is the thing Oh, the crunch ones? Yeah, I might. I don't know if it did or not. I can't remember. But um, and I didn't look back. I didn't look that hard at it because there was no fire force on it. <laughs> Dang, dunk on it. Fire force right. season three. Hashtag so fire force season three. Next up, I was about to say, uh, you know, for for fans of the show who know, I am not that big on anime, but I am uh, trying to uh, increase my knowledge. Uh, He's got his book. In- and bounds so i am up to date on uh, attack on titan yes he's up to date on that and i am staying away from it um and i am into anime so that that tells you something is uh, it because of the 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 titans having scary looking faces that might induce nightmares i mean i watched i've watched we talked about this before the show or before a show or after a show i think we talked about this after the uh, the, the treasure edition but no oh, i watched right. it up until I a certain point Ka- i remember ronnie yeah. specifically yeah you should I, just keep going after that that's all yeah, um, I, I got to a, basically for the folks out there. I got to a certain point. And I was like, you know, I'm out, and I think that part is kind of early on. And most of you fans of Titan Titan know that part uh, mm. where I possibly might have stopped, where something happens to the main character, right? Um, 
But I don't know. It, it, I could revisit it at some point because there's just some other stuff I'd rather get, have gotten to before I even tackle that again. Um, no pun intended. Exactly. Uh, and I'm looking forward to to watching uh, Agent Seventy's progress because I know there's some stuff that I've given him that other people have given him that he's he's possibly going to start and get into. Um, that I'm looking forward to seeing his reactions to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but um, the CW's Powerpuff Girls cast Scrub Star as Professor Newtonium and gets a new title. So it's basically just Powerpuff now. Um, and the the new Professor Newtonium is none other than Scrubs' Donald Faison. Also of uh, Clueless fame. Say, why don't they say it's Clueless's Donald Faison? Yeah, well, because people would know uh, Scrubs more than Clueless at this point. <laughs> That's so bad. So, um, but according to Variety, Faison's uh, take on... So here's my thing about this. I know Donald Faison's... Um, Hey, shout out to uh, Natari Soul too. Also, that is uh, in the chat, in the uh, chat saying uh, that's so cool and also hi. So, how y'all doing? How you doing? And hey, Kamiyo Rasu. Um, but yeah, I don't. I know Faison is probably like around our age, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Um, and he's playing these the the he, y'all know who what powerful powerful girls is about he's basically playing the the professor on the show who's the dad of these now grown adult who's been playing by uh chloe bennett uh dove dove cameron and I forgot who's the other girl's name so the grown grown up version of the girls no one needed this no one really needed this am i gonna watch it probably but no one needed this and it's totally going to get CW with it. And I'm scared about that. Like, maybe well enough known. Anyway, next up, though. Uh, oh, this is the last bit late of, um... actor Nadia Rivera is among the voice stars of the film uh, Batman The Long Halloween Part 1, uh, which also features work from Jensen Ackles and Josh du- uh, Duhamel. <laughs> Dumel, I believe it is. Dumel? Yeah. Duhamel. Dumel. Who the hell says it to Mel? There's uh, there's two syllables there, people. I know. I, I I feel like I've heard of I've heard of it being said as Dumel, so I don't yeah, know. I think so too. And once you said it, I was like, oh yeah, I think I've heard it that way. Yeah. So, so. yes, Natari, it is that 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 um that powerful. If that's what you're talking about, the Powerpuff Girls show is definitely live action. Uh, yep. No one needs this. So and yes, the show is also live. So yeah. Um. <laughs> so getting back to the Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 mm-hmm. it's a time honored Batman tale coming to the screen with the animated Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 uh, as I said Supernatural's Jensen Ackles leads the cast as Batman Bruce Wayne after previously voicing Jason Todd Red Hood in 2010's Batman Under the Red Hood which I know some people like um, um, his his version of Batman I'm like I sure it's alright it works I don't know why they're doing a part. I know they've done this on a couple of these animated ones, and I don't know why they're doing a part one or part two of part one or part two of this outside of just for giggles. Like, was that Long Halloween room to breathe? I guess. I guess. Like, was Long Halloween that significant? Because I know people, you know, low key like it. I like it. I have the trade. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you know, like. Is, are you going to put it up there with some of the other stuff? Is what I'm asking. Like I mean, Rush. I'm not like a Batman fan though, so it's well, not like I have that much to really. St- you know, everyone knows Dark Knight Returns, right. so Hush and um, you know, Killing Joke and all the rest of them. Those Hush is Hush is later. 
I know, you know? But they've already done Hush, so. Right, but in terms of just in terms of if you're going to go uh, top Batman stories, yeah. you know, uh, you have to go back to uh, Dark Knight Returns and uh, Killing Joke, yeah. and then some amalgamation of some of the classic comic book stories. Yeah, true, but. Either way, it is what it is. And I think I also have the trait of, of Long Halloween now that I think about it digitally. So it is what it is. Now we're going to transition in over to the comic book news. Uh, you know what? Sure. <laughs> that was that was probably the most perfect transition you could have done on that one. Um, yeah, you know. And by the way, Bat- folks, Batman Animated Series, if you haven't checked it out, please do. HBO Max. It's 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 one of the best, best, uh, one of the better, I would say, one of the top ten animated um, uh, shows of the decade, if not. I was gonna, that's probably one of the, the, the quintessential takes on Batman ever. Oh, absolutely. Like, or something to refer uh, people to that's not so grim, dark. Right. Uh, I would put it as goat status, honestly. It's one of the greatest of all times. I would almost put it there. And you want to give to people is right. Batman animated series. Yeah. Shout out to Conroy. And and Mark Hamill. Absolutely. And um um Arlene Sorkin, you know. Got got to get, got to get your Harley in there because that's where she came from and all the other stuff. Anywho's uh Gargoyles um Nika has five more premium figures of Gargoyles figures in the works. Um, so I didn't know they had any gargoyles for you because, and yes, folks, if you are a fan of Disney's gargoyles, then I guess you'll be excited about this. I've never really watched the show, so go figure. It's awesome. I think yeah. it goes down the tubes. I think in one of the the last seasons, mm-hmm. I think the first two seasons are the best. Also a great Weissman joint. Now that I think about it. Um, one of his earlier shows. So yes, yeah. it is. Gargoyles was good. Yeah, and I know people younger than I am love uh, love... Yeah, no, apparently Natari uh, agrees with you on the except the end part. Um, I It's on Disney Plus right now so I can definitely watch it and I plan to very soon and I know about the cast and I know, the, you know, I know it gets dark and I'll, you know, it, it is a darker Disney show that I have yet to actually really watch any of. So I look forward to doing that whenever I get to it. But here we have five more figures and they're going to be... Let's see, one of them's Thirty-two ninety-nine, which is Ultimate Goliath, and there's other figures uh, in this set that's coming down the line. And this first one is starting to is going to ship in early July or in July rather, and is ready for pre-order now. Which is the Ultimate Goliath figure, which I think that's the figure that's being shown in the um, in the picture if you're watching the video version of the show. And thank you for doing that. Next, you should take this one. Uh, age of 70, not a fan of Doctor Who. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, aka mm-hmm. Destro, is back for as the Doctor in trailer for the Ninth Doctor Adventures Ravagers. So, this is an audiobook, uh, and nothing live action. Uh, so yeah, Christopher Eccleston is one of this article's writer's favorite versions of the Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that he only got one season. First of all, he left on his own accord after the first season. So whoever this article writer is, you know, little rose colored glasses um, on this. He, matter of fact, he famously left because he didn't really like the, he didn't really care for sticking around that long. 
But according to this article, um, he is going to voice the Doctor, which is being done by Big Finish Productions, which who does the the audio um, audio stuff of the does a lot of audio projects, not just Doctor Who, but Doctor Who is one of their ones they do a lot of on. Uh, the project pro- the podcast project was announced last year. And now the first trailer for it has been released along with some additional tales. And it actually sounds like a great Doctor Who podcast series. Uh, the series will consist of 12 full cast adventures and they will be released across four box sets. Starting with Volume 1, which is set to be released in May 2021. Eccleston said in a statement, After 15 years, it will be exciting to revisit the ninth Doctor's world, bringing back uh, to life a character I love playing. He's lying. <laughs> like I know, I like. Let me phrase that. So I know he ended up appreciating it a little, a little later, but when he first left, like I, there were stories of him not really liking it too much, or, or doing too, which is why he initially left and thought he was going to be a big, um, big movie star or something like that. Also, but we see him as Destro. See, I've never watched Doctor Who either. Doctor Who, if you are a sci-fi fan, I I would encourage you to at least check out some Doctor Who. Maybe New Who might be up to most people's speed. I grew up on the classic stuff. So, uh, and I like some of the New Who stuff also, but yeah. And also that stuff is on uh, HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. So you can definitely check it out. Which starts off with uh, Eccleston's uh, Ninth Doctor. It's a little weird, but you know, it's... And made for a kind of sort of made for kids but not the new stuff is a little whatever but uh yeah i personally like it <laughs> i heard that anyway next up the son of green arrow battles the son of batman <laughs> on the official cover for robin number three which is slated to arrive this june from dc comics on the version of gleb melnikov's Robin number three cover previously shared by DC. Damian Wayne Robin is seen battling a mystery opponent. Series writer Joshua Williamson has now shared the issue's true cover, which reveals that Damian is fighting Connor Hawk, the son of Oliver Queen, a.k.a. Green Arrow, and Sandra Hawk. Okay. Squaw! Sure. Next up, um, Constantine just defeated his more most dangerous enemy and created another one. So this is spoilers for Truth and Justice number nine, which is I think probably been out a week or two. I don't know. Uh, long story short, uh, he was fighting Papa Midnight and he used this little kid who apparently had magical powers and took him away. And may have possibly created another villain from from uh, taking away this kid's power. Next up, a collection of DC stories by the late great writer editor Dwayne McDuffie will be collected in a new hardcover coming this year from the from DC, uh, going on sale December fourteenth. DC Universe by Dwayne McDuffie will collect twelve issues from his work for the publisher. So these are these include Timeless Tales starring Superman, the Demon, Impulse, Batman, Firestorm, and other amazing DC characters, which celebrate the amazing stories that acclaimed writer Dwayne McDuffie contributed to the DC Universe, reads DC's synopsis of the collection. He's best known for creating icon and hardware uh, of the Milestone Universe, but these sensational stories should not be missed, and you should also not miss some of the work he did for the DC Animated. Agreed. So, so Justice League, Justice League uh, Unlimited, and pretty much everything around that time and before and after, and also Static Shock and, and other other uh, animated works that uh, uh, Mr. Madoffy has had a hand in. Rest in peace, still, because he's been dead for a while now. But um, yeah, he he's influenced a lot of stuff. 
uh, and had to handle a lot of stuff. Crime noir comic The Good Asian explores the identity, uh, struggle, and history of Asian Americans. Uh, the mythic Chinatown of crime noir is getting a dose of real life thanks to a new comic book series called The Good Asian. Writer Pornsack Pinchetjot. Uh, yeah, this guy has a Thai la- a Thai name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one of those really long Thai, you know, right. t- from Thailand names. Gotcha. It's I think it's porn. It's porn sock. Pitch it. Picket show. I don't think I don't think it's Pitchet. I think it's Picket show. Picket show. Okay. Well, my apologies for if I for butcher your name. We don't t- try. Hey, to listen, do that. I might have done it too. So yeah. you know, I apologize as well yeah so and uh our artist uh alexandra tefinski we'll go with that um on a nine issue series that exposed we have a lot of names on this show that we uh tend up going up against it's kind of funny folks sometimes there will not be a a, a thing with all of that because no one needs to revisit all of that and i'm not trying to do the work either but anyway so there's going to be a, a nine issue series that exposes exposes the history and struggle of asian americans in the first half of the 20th century through the lens of crime noir uh the good asian centers on edison hark an asian detective raised by a white family witnessing firsthand um how the first generation of chinese americans are being affected by the chinese exclusion act a real act that banned Chinese immigration. Uh, the landscape is is besieged by rampant uh, murder, abuse, abusive police, pardon me, and a world that seemingly never changes. Uh, let's see. And the, the rest of the article is uh, in is an interview with uh, the creative team. Uh, and it looks like the book is going to hit the stands on May 5th. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Yeah, it's unfortunately very timely. Yes, definitely. And this is, if I didn't say it before, it's an image book. So you'll be able to readily find that out there. Uh, Next up. Next up, comic book creator Matt Kint uh, is delivering another installment of Mind MGMT to readers as a one-of-a-kind NFT non-fungible token. Mind MGMT, the artifact, was an NFT comic that was available via an auction taking place until March 31st at 7.06 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or Eastern Time, that is. Mm. Oh, um, before going any further, uh, while I'm still thinking about this, uh, we talked about Invincible earlier. If you are interested in reading the comic books, I believe you can read them for free if you have Comixology Unlimited. So that's like seven bucks a month, but there's a lot of books in there. If you're if you're looking for a smattering of comics for, and this is not a plug for them because they don't we don't they don't sponsor us, but I'm just saying if you're interested in that show. Or right. Falcon and Winter Soldier, or anything else, you can read. You can definitely do that. Next up, though, um, I was about to say, same as us, not really plugging Marvel Unlimited, even though we kind of live and die by it. Exactly, that is another one. Yeah, if you're definitely a Marvel fan and you want to, you know, check out some a bunch of archive uh, uh, books, even though you may or may not have them, like like we might. <laughs> And you yeah, want to right? go back and if you either do need to do research or you just want to plunge into a whole bunch of books, yeah, Marvel Unlimited is there for you. Without having, yeah, without having to dive into your back issues. <laughs> exactly. If, you know, um, again, not sponsors, not a commercial. Just saying, we're just saying we we definitely use these. If they want to sponsor us, though, hey, I'll get at us. Peach we'll take mo- it. 
Yeah, exactly. Peach Momoko draws tar, uh, Tarna after the first three issues sell out. So, let's see, Heaven Mendel's uh, trademark hero when Tarna returns to comics back, returned to comics back in December. And I think you can say it was a hit, according to this article. Newsarama has confirmed that the first three issues of Tarna, the last Tarakian, have all sold out on a distributor level, leaving those interested to scour their local comic shops or buy it digitally. Uh, with that, the publisher is going back for a second printing of Tarna, the last Tarakian, uh, Tarakian, excuse me, uh, number one, and they're making it special. And which is where Peach Momoko comes in to draw it in her uh, signature style. So, uh, that's cool. And I don't know when that's going to come, but that's, you know, whenever the second printing comes out, and that'll be one of the, the variant comes out, I would assume. Next up. Alrighty, new graphic novel from Eisner Award nominee Magdalene Visaggio and Andrea Mutti, or Mutti. Uh, it's uh, Halloween meets Jacob's Ladder in Cold Bodies. Okay. Um, from those two creators comes Cold Bodies, a 1980s meta horror homage graphic novel focusing on how trauma affects victims of slashers and never leaves decades later. Okay. Cold Bodies! Oh. Yeah, it definitely it focuses upon a sole survivor of a brutal winter man massacre in which several young adults were slaughtered. Okay. Yeah, so if that's your thing, you know, that's the beautiful thing about comics. There's something for everybody. San Diego Comic-Con announces dates for November 2021 convention. Um, nah, boss. Uh, so, yeah, San Diego apparently is still hard, which we knew kind of... We knew they were rescheduling things, so we kind of knew something was was in the works. And they, were, I think, they're still doing that mini, a mini convention thing soon. But uh, it's San Diego Comic Con is still happening this year in a way, shape, or form. Yeah, let's see, November, Friday, November twenty sixth to Sunday, November twenty eighth is going to be the three day affair. Uh, let's see, the company is calling this year's convention Comic Con Special Edition. And batch cost, attendance capacity, and related info- information has yet to be decided by organizers and convention central uh, officials. Um, quick quote While we have been able to peer- pivot uh, from in person gatherings to limited online events, the loss of revenue has been has had an uh, acute impact on the organization, as has with many small businesses. Necessitating really reduced work schedules and reduction in pay for employees, among other issues. So that's basically them boohooing like we need money. And I shouldn't say boohooing like that. That's real hard-hearted because it's a tough time for everybody out there. Although, even though bigger businesses seem to be, you know. Anyway, that's the thing. And uh, basically says, rounds out to the court by saying, hopefully this event will show up our financial reserves and mark a slow return to a larger in-person gathering in 2022. So you pretty much get the gist of what they're going for here. Next up. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's tough because it's hard to know exactly how much reserves they kept. Mm-hmm. As it's such a it was such a regular yearly event, you know, it's say, sometimes hard for some of these businesses to plan like that. Right. Yes, so, they kept much reserves because there are a lot of businesses that don't really think about things like this happening. I mean, the bigger ones do, obviously, but, you know. Right. But yeah, there like you said, there is no very much no telling. But next so, up. All right. Uh, 
Diamond Comic Distributors Chairman, President, and CEO Steve Jeppy has, or Steve Geppi has released a statement responding to the news that came out uh, last week that Marvel Comics has entered a new exclusive agreement with Penguin Random House to be its distributor to the comic book direct market beginning October first, twenty twenty one. Quote from Steve Jeppy or Geppi. We value our almost 40-year relationship with Marvel and are pleased that we will continue selling Marvel products to the direct market and other channels. The change Marvel announced today represents a behind-the-scenes shift in how Diamond interacts with Marvel for certain products, but does not impact our ability to supply our customers with Marvel comics, trades, and graphic novels. He does expect the discount terms under which uh, their retail partners order Marvel products to change. And, and Diamond will communicate that information to their customers well in advance of any adjustments. So bottom line, that is essentially what comic book retailers have told me since this news has dropped. I've been to two different comic book stores since the news dropped, and that's essentially what they both told me, which is that that's what they're concerned about, whether or not the discount is going to be comparable um, for uh, retailers from uh, – Penguin Random House as opposed to the one that they receive on product received through Diamond. Right. Gotcha. And, you know, Penguin Random House. I was about to say one of the selling points is that Random House claims uh, claims that all of their shipping is going to be free. Mm. So that might offset some of the discount. But until further details come out, the retailers I talk to suspect that that's not going to be the case. That it's going to be, uh, it's going to add up to be a, a smaller discount. Right. And that means they won't be able to um, run discounts on some comics, you know, for people who have pull lists. Like I have a discount in my comic book store for my pull list. Right. They might have to reduce said uh, discounts and some books may have to wait a lot longer to hit the dollar bin. Right. Which, yeah, like, yeah, we're in a whole new uh, paradigm here, I guess. <laughs> um, so see how that plays out over the next several months. Exactly, because yeah, because the because the agreement doesn't go into effect until October, but you know I'm sure there will be some shifting around going into that. Absolutely. Next up, um, oh hey, look, a free suit for Spider-Man Miles Morales. So I honestly, this is one of those ones I, for some strange reason, wasn't sure whether it was true or not, but I have no reason to believe that it's not. So the advanced suit. Uh, the Vance tech suit, to be more specific, which is pretty much looks like um, uh, a Miles Morales version of Peter's suit from uh, from um, from the from the from the movie. Uh, it looks to be in the game now, and I haven't. I know people with the game. I have the game, but I haven't played it yet. But I believe this is uh, a PS5 exclusive feature. Or at least, or what they're talking about here. It says here, let's see. As of now, you can grab the new update for Miles Morales, which includes the classic uh, free costume add-on. In this case, is the advanced tech suit. And amid various fixes for the game itself, uh, Insomniac also flaunts, quote-unquote, realistic muscle, mus- muscle deformation for select suits, which apparently this is one of them, which is also the, the PS5 exclusive feature that I mentioned. So... There you go, folks. You got a new suit in, in uh, Miles Morales by the I am looking forward to um, playing this game. Next up. Next up, uh, Marvel's Reign of X, X-Men line, looks to be expanding again with a new upcoming story from writer Victor Laval. Or Laval mm-hmm. uh, speaking to AIPT, what does that stand for? Uh, you would ask me that. I think uh, I totally forgot. 
It is. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but it's a site. Regardless, keep it I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> oh, I guess it's just AIPT Comics. Yeah, okay. I know what it stands for though. That's cool. I had to just Google it real quick. But in the meantime, I'm going to get to the story. Laval explained that he's joining the X-Men line as a writer, though he stopped short of saying what he's writing, declining to mention whether it will be an ongoing title, a limited series, one shot, or something else. Lavalle, best known for his novels The Ecstatic, Big Machine, The Devil and Silver, and The Changeling, as well as the Boom Studios comic book The Destroyer, will make his first foray into Marvel Comics with the unspecified story. Okay. Yay. Um, X-Men, we think we might have uh, alluded to this earlier in the show, but uh, X-Men number 20 delayed with eight week break between issues. So after this week's uh, X-Men number 19, um, and the next issue, X-Men 20, has been delayed until May 26th. So we are getting a uh, two month. Uh, eight, eight eight weeks. So break uh, in between these issues, uh, and it also says that Marvel also gave X Men a break from the regular monthly schedule by soliciting no new issues for April, and today decided to push twenty from the, the May twelfth to twenty to May twenty sixth, as this article says. So yeah. It's going to be a while until we get the next uh, issue of 20, which I don't know if that's going to mess up anything with the gala or anything going on with that. We, I'm going to assume it's going to finish up the um, what we were talking about earlier. Right. The, uh, what you call Children of the... Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's probably not going to mess with anything, that being the case, or anything significant, but we'll see. Last but not least, do you want a job in... Oh, wait, that's you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, at the end of the day, this is one of those stories that we can both talk about because it... I don't want to say it's the dark side of collecting, but part of what has evolved during the pandemic is that people are looking for places to put their money, something to invest in. One of the things that exploded was sports cards and collectibles. Some of those have gone... You know, there was a time when... Those things were were, were were just like a nothing collectible. But um, with the advent of the pandemic, one, because people just had time on their hands, they were looking to, you know, put their money into things. And one of the things that they uh, thought to put it, uh, their money into in terms of collectibles was sports cards. Mm-hmm. Next in line were uh, comic books. And it's uh, expanded to things like Top Shot, like NFT type um, uh, uh, technologies. But um, getting back to um, the collectible side, uh, the the market for comics and collectible comics really did explode uh, over the course of the pandemic and just before it really started to heat up. And as um, the comics have started to get more expensive and more people are looking to get their comics graded, those grading companies, namely CGC and CBCS, um, are running into uh, backlogs and they need to hire graders uh, and people who work inside the, uh, the the infrastructure of their grading of those respective grading companies so that they can uh, get uh, their reviews uh, done quicker and their product turn, uh, sent out quicker so that turnaround time can be shortened. 
So uh, if you are interested in this, they are hiring. Um, I think CGC is located in Florida. I'm not sure where CBCS is, but uh, listen, I'm not the best grader in the world. I'm probably um, far too conservative, but sometimes that's what they're looking for. So if, listen, if this was something that I could do on the weekends, but listen, they're so swamped right now, you know, right. that uh, they need full-time people. Right. Like, is, is some of this stuff can I do from home? Like, I would do it. Um, there's also, it said, if you're watching the video, you can see the, uh, the, the, um, the image of uh, CGC's hiring poster, I guess, now offering a $1,000 sign-on bonus for new employees. And it's got several areas, including graders, but also uh, marketing, human resources, IT, operations, et cetera, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff does have to be in person because you have to see the right. product, especially like operations, which I and IT, which I I know um, mm. of. So, but hey, you know, if you're if you're close enough and you're, you know, you're looking for something like that to do, go for it. Grading, yeah, I probably wouldn't be all that great at grading either, but you know, uh, tis what it is. All right, folks, uh, we have come to the end of a show, end of the show. And actually, you know what? I'll do this right now before we do the ad read um, as opposed to afterwards. Because I have uh, something for Toy Corner. Yay! Uh, so bear with me a second while I pull this out of the box. Excuse me while I whip this out. Let me stop. Um, oh, no! <laughs> All right, let me see, folks. I'm just going to... I'm going to mute for one quick second. There we go. All right. So, oh, wait. And actually, I'm going to close up on me. And I apologize if you hear my um, computer acting on freaking fool. But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and, and all uh, by non-binary folks... We have but a blow. And of course. Oh man, we can't see a bloody thing. You gotta put it right in front of your face. Oh crap. Um There it is. There we go. So as you can see here, you know what? Um y'all are gonna see some real um Hold up a second. Roddy Cat needs to, like me, dedicate some time to organizing some shells behind him. Oh man, it's a it's it is the worst. It is the worst. So let me do this. Let's see if that's the blur. Better. That's not probably not it's, much better. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a help because uh, right, right, right. Once you hold it in focus, we can actually see it. Okay, there you go, that's- folks. Um, it is the Blackbird, um, but also as a tra- transformer, folks. Uh, let's see. You can see the back of it. Actually, that shows a little bit better. So yeah. Yes. Um, this is the latest uh, in um, crossover transformers uh, figures. Um, I still don't have my Ecto one yet, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's coming. But yeah, here's the. Uh, the X-Men Blackbird, which is blue, uh, as a Transformer. And it comes with, as you can see here, um, two figures. Uh, a little Wolverine, and for some strange reason, Sabretooth. You gotta have somebody for Wolverine to fight. I, I, I guess. But why not Cyclops? And as you can see here uh, on the side, the figure it looks like, kind of looks like a Cyclops. 
or kind of looks like Cyclops, I should say. So why didn't they do Cyclops as as opposed to um as a, as opposed to those two characters? I don't know. But regardless, I have it now and it is in my hot little hands and at some point I will probably take it out of the box and Oh no. Oh no. And prop it up somewhere. Fast fingers in my old age. So yes, oh, folks, and you oh. have gotten a glimpse into my as into my junky junky office, so I apologize for that. But you know, uh it was in service. So yeah, that was it for Toy Corner for me, and we can now um wrap this whole thing up with an ad read. Our last ad read of the night is to help keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit ESPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the ESPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. As we come to the end of... Um, no, Camry, don't be taking notes. Don't take notes. <laughs> That's the last thing you need to take notes of. This is for Amazon, then by, by all means. But we have come to the end of another exciting episode of this here podcast. Thank you, each and every one, for coming out, whether you're listening to us in audio or or watching us in video after the point, or here live, um, watching us record. We appreciate you. Uh, I have been Rydercat. You can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I pointed the wrong way, so I'm going to get my thing straight here one way or the other. Uh, our absent uh, host, PC and underscore Dirt on Twitter, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites they're in. Quite maybe possibly uh, bite under comic reviews, no vowels. I don't know. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. Uh, you can also find him at uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter, which is his thing. Uh, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. You can also find him at theclicknation.com. You can also find him at Combook Resources, where he's uh, over there writing, writing his face off. So yeah, go check out my man's works. Our man's works. We're proud of him. He's busting it up over there. Uh, you can find this here podcast on Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us five star reviews. And on that note, you can do you can um, hit subscribe on one of the two places I'm about to mention because we go live every Thursday night at nine thirty ish p.m. Uh, every Thursday on the YouTube channel of the Click Nation. That's YouTube.com/slash/the Click Nation. 
or you can check us out uh, on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, which some of you have done tonight. Thank you very much. And we will be back next week, um, most likely talking about the next episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier and probably Invincible, I would imagine. Might, might talk about that a little bit. And maybe Godzilla vs. Kong when and, Roddy Cat around to watching it. And I will have watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong by then, so yeah, we can definitely talk about that also. So with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.